Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I've thought of a way to make this very simple so you will understand. Would you please give me a spotlight? Do you get what I'm saying now? This is not about you. This is about me being in the spotlight where I deserve to be. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by Steven Jensen. And shout out to the big dick Dave Batista for the special intro that it created just for us. But Jensen, I do have breaking news here on the spotlight. Our copyright with big dick Dave Batista and the spotlight intro is up tomorrow. Somebody has swooped in and taken the copyright from us. And now we have to get a new intro. So we will debut a new intro next week. A special intro created just for us, just like the big Dick Dave Batista one. But that is the last time, maybe, that you'll hear the Dave Batista intro because it has been copyrighted by another by another show. Very sad. How are you, Jensen? I'm doing good. <clears throat> big Dick Dave Batista, leave the memories alone. We appreciate the uh, the it's the end of an era. Um, but yes, we have a new intro that we're very um, excited to um, debut next week on the show. I don't know if we want to give any hints or not, but I'm very excited for who who we have who we had to do this. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, <coughs> using that going forward. No, no hints. Nobody, yeah. nobody needs to know. Is a a huge, massive star yes. in the world of wrestling, though, on the level of Big Dick Dave Batista, did a special intro for us. Jensen, we have a big show today. Lots to talk about. First, get some formalities out of the way. Leave us super chat. Leave us a humper chat. Leave us leave us comments in the comments section. Interact. We like we like talking to the chat. If you leave us super chats, that that helps support the show. Helps support everything we do at Fightful. Get your question, comment, statement read on air. So do that. Help us out. Uh, later on, about eleven o'clock a.m. Eastern, our interview with the great Ella J will air. Uh, Ella J does a lot of different work for a lot of different websites. Uh, you you might know her from Essie Scoops from from Wrestling Inc. Now. Uh, from uh, Gaw TV, 
from PW uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. She she works for a lot of different outlets. We talked to her about her, really just her her career, interviewing, doing wrestling news now. The outlet she works for, working with Gaw, Mickey James, working uh, doing the women's one hundred and fifty for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, great interview with LOJ. So that's gonna air at eleven o'clock, and that's it. Is that everything, Jensen? Did I hit on everything there? Uh, I think you got everything. All right, let's let's get into it. Let's start with AEW. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show, and I think it's been a run of great shows. Jensen, it's been a run of great shows, and we might get the, the run continued here. Last night, a teaser aired with the Elite disappearing they they, yeah. they showed their highlights, their title wins, some comments made in the past, and then they were faded in the vignette. Their words were faded. The pictures were faded. It was the first real mention of the Elite. They, they'd been brought up in passing. They were in some previous video packages last week. I did notice on the Rampage promo for last week, the Elite were part of that. Um, and then last night, an actual vignette was aired it looks like they are coming back soon. Sean Rossap of Fightful.com, Fightful Select, said it is imminent. The return, they were reportedly backstage at the show last night. It looks like the Elite is coming back. We've not seen them since All Out and the altercation and everything that happened there. It looks like they're back soon. Are you ready, Jensen? Are you ready for the passive-aggressive eliteness? The passive-aggressive eliteness. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very ready. I, I, the fan base is ready. I mean, I know we can tie in a little bit. Like, there's like these reports about like CM Punk's dog Larry. You know, like this whole door. Did it get kicked in? Did it not get kicked in? Did Larry's teeth get knocked loose? Did they not get locked knocked loose? Why is the story coming out now and not before? I'm not gonna sit here and speculate on all these things. I don't know. I, I I'm not gonna give really my opinion on all that. But I'll say this: if if like if my dog got kicked in the face like i'd be pretty pissed off i don't want to punch somebody i definitely i get that but i also once again the timing just weird to me so i i don't know it's all weird like the elites coming back now we're hearing about the story there's been multiple stories so it's it's all that the moral of this i guess really is like the elites clearly coming back so some sort of investigation has to have been done and they're they feel comfortable enough to bring them back because otherwise i don't know why you'd be running these the, running that video they they aired yesterday so um so yeah i and i thought it was interesting what they chose for that video like it was like the, the you know hangman page like turning his his phone around on bte to to reveal the AEW logo for the first time and um and like their moments at, like the first press conference and them winning their championships and all this stuff and um <clears throat> so so on one hand, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I shouldn't say on one hand. I, I am very excited for them to come back, and I know the fan base is too. And you know, it isn't it isn't just <clears throat> like losing CM Punk. <clears throat> he's obviously a big star, and like there is a chunk of the fan base that are like very big CM Punk fans. And AEW might lose some of those fans if CM Punk isn't there. But like the you know, the ratings have feel like they've been a little bit down. Like, I feel like the ticket sales might be a little bit down and stuff. And I think a lot of people are attributing that to punk not being there, but it's like, that could be a part of it for sure. But it's like, it's not just punk. It's like punk's gone. The young bucks are gone. Kenny's gone. Like that's a big, I mean, 
Cody's already gone, gone. He's he's gone, gone. You know, so it's like the elite is like what you know they were like. That's what this company is founded off of. Um, and now there's this whole changing of the guard backstage where it's like Jericho, Danielson, and Mock seem to be kind of taking the leadership roles that the elite had when AEW started. Is, is how it is how it feels based on like the stuff I'm reading and whatnot. You know, so um, there's a lot of layers to all this. But at the end of the day, I'm excited for the elite to be back and. I'm interested to see going forward if they continue to have more of like an EVP leadership role or if they go more towards like being like more talent and other people kind of take over the leadership roles. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, um, but there's there's a lot there's a lot of layers like once once again to this whole thing. I'm old and I'm fucking tired and I work with fucking children. I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's let me talk about this CM Punk thing. Sure. Fast. So so Nick Hausman of, of Wrestling Inc., who was the reporter yeah. who right. asked the initial question at the press conference and CM Punk just went from there. He put out this report last night, literally before Dynamite is about to start. This report went up at like 730. So just before Dynamite was about to start and just be just after Sean said it was imminent that they were going to return, just as, as it seemed that everyone kind of knew they were backstage. Right. The report was that the door got kicked in. Now it's a kicked in again. First it was kicked in and then it wasn't kicked in. And now it's kicked in again. Larry got some teeth knocked out. If that's true, I feel bad for Larry. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's horrible. I, I agree with you. Like if that's true, I would have reacted similar to punk. I understand why he had that reaction. The other parts of this report don't do punk any favors. The the part where it says from punk's camp, the press conference didn't seem like a big deal. It was whatever. They went backstage, he went back to his locker room and things seemed fine. Really? You you just said you're working with children who couldn't manage a target, empty-headed dumb fucks. Like you're you're worried about all these but, leaks. Find me backstage and do something about it. Yes. He literally said that. Yes, he said you know, if you have a problem with me, come backstage and talk to me. Like, you didn't think this was going to be a big deal. You just thought you are going to go backstage, chill, continue to eat Mindy's Bakery. It's closed on Mondays. You just thought that's that was what's going to happen here. Right. Nothing was going to come of this. That was a little, that was, that was odd to me. The more concerning part, the more thing that caught my eye, though, was, not that I mean, look, it was very odd that hey, this didn't concern me, but like I could see punk just like I got it off my chest. It feels good to get off my chest. I'm done. Like I'm 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 done. It's good. I feel good. Everything is fine. Like I could see punk reacting that way. The other part of this report was CM Punk was worried that Hangman was gonna turn their double or nothing match into a shoot fight. It was going to be an actual physical fight because of what Hangman said in the buildup to this fight. And so he was worried going into it. Here's my issue. Well, let me just this. throw this out there before you get into your issue. A, for, a former UFC fighter is afraid that it might he might have to fight Hangman Page. Yeah. Right. That's. I mean. Anyway, take that for what, what you will. <laughs> like, I feel like Brock Lesnar doesn't go into a fight like afraid. You know what I mean? Like if if something happens, I think he knows how to handle himself. You 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 think CM Punk wouldn't be that concerned 
his hangman shot on him, given his UFC experience. But anyway, well, here's here's the here's my issue with this is hangman said what he said in the buildup. Punk took that a certain type of way. Punk was the one who previously or who said at the press conference, like he threatened the, the first million dollar gate. So it sounded like punk, as we talked about before was considering maybe pulling out of this match. And maybe it's because he had the concerns that he's going to turn this into a shoot fight, right? They did the match. We, we all saw the match. It was, I don't think Punk's that was Punk's best performance. I mean, he messed up the the buckshot a couple of times, but they did the match. It went off without a hitch. Nobody shot on anybody. It was, it didn't seem like any liberties were taken on either side of the match. It was a physical match, but most Hangman matches are physical, right? Like that's sure. Hangman Page is a very physical wrestler. Um, so they did the match. It was over. Things were fine. Why come back after your injury and then take your shots at Hangman? Like if you were concerned about it getting physical in that moment and then it didn't, so your concern should have been alleviated there. And now you're coming back two months later and then you're starting this shit again. Like I punk is, he's all over the place with this. And yeah, the timing, we know why the timing, why it came out when it did. I, I'm very firm on yeah. It came out the, <laughs> on this day at this time just now because of everything going on with the elite because it was dead quiet until yesterday. It had been quiet for weeks. Like A Steel reportedly got fired, and then Punk was reportedly working on a contract buyout. This Larry thing feels like it should have been out a while ago when it was initially reported. Hey, the door got kicked in because it said. The report said that the the uh, the checkup, which was pre-scheduled, according to the report, this is not something like, oh, let's go get Larry checked out after th- afterwards. It was pre-scheduled just a couple of days after All Out. That's when they found that his teeth uh, got accidentally knocked out. You think that would have come out during this investigation stuff? And Punk side that even though it said, oh, we were asked to be quiet, and it seems like everybody's been quiet. Like publicly, everybody's been quiet. I don't know who's been talking to who. I don't, as far as which side is saying which, but Sean has said like punk side initially said kicked in. They, they pulled back on that a little bit and now they're back to kicked in. It feels like it, that would have come out earlier had, had it been true. I'm not mm-hmm. saying punk's lying. Sure. I, I am saying, saying the sure. timing of things are very skeptical yeah. and I don't think, I don't think certain parts of that report make him look that good. No, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. Went with literally everything you said. Like, um, you know, I I think it was I think a lot of that situation was honestly Punk just thinking that nobody was going to actually step to him. Like thinking you just say all that and like no one would actually like confront him about it, and then and then there was some sort of confrontation and it led to whatever all this is. Um, but once again, I think it's a pretty good sign that they're showing video packages for the elite coming back. Um, and it's very hard for me to believe they would have done a thorough investigation of this whole thing. And then like, if that was true, if, if, if you know, I, once again, I don't want to like say what's true and what isn't because we weren't there. It's, it's words versus words, sides yeah. versus sides. I have clear bias. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm very, against punk in this situation i'm very upset about it as a wrestling fan kind of where this where this is all gotten to 
with him and the company. And I think it's, I think it's, it really sucks for fans of the elite, especially fans uh, in particular of Kenny Omega having to wait for so long for him to come back. They wait for so long to introduce these trios titles specifically for his return. And then like, he's there and then he's gone again. And it's just like, you know what I mean? And it's over something like this, like, you know, and but once again, I'll, 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 I want to be fair about this. Like if, if what Punk is saying is true, then that changes a lot of the perception of how I feel about the situation. Like if the Young Bucks or Kenny, like if they did bust that door open and and Punk's dog did get hurt, like that makes me change my opinion a lot about how I feel about this. But once again, it's suspect the timing of it and like why we've got, I mean, it's been like months at this point, right? Already like that, like- Almost two we, months. Yeah. Right. And you would have thought that this would have been like a major part of that. And if it was, and if it's true- would that not have been part of the investigation? Like, I mean, I'm sure that like that would have been mentioned during like the investigation of them determining who's going to stay in the company and who isn't and like wh- how long these suspensions are going to be. And if people are going to keep their EVP jobs or not and all that and all that stuff, like, and if you're going to buy out contracts, that's a big part of this too. Like whatever money they owe, they owe CM Punk, they have to decide if they want to just pay it to him and like basically get him out of there or like make him sit at home, like throughout a non-compete or like bring them back to TV at some point and try to work it out. Like they have, they have like a lot of like really, really humongous decisions to make all based on, you know, trying to find the truth. The, the funny, I say funny, the only person in this whole situation that would probably tell the whole truth is probably Larry and he can't talk to people, unfortunately. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's just a bunch of, it's a bunch hey, of Dr. human beings. Dr. Doolittle up in this bitch. <laughs> right, right. We, need get, we need to get a Dr. Doolittle in there. And, uh, and uh and, and here's the thing people in the chat that, that would think it's a work this obviously isn't a work but i'll say this as much as i think it's the best idea to just separate punk from AEW completely whether that's a buyout and him sitting at home or a buyout that lets him go back to the wwe i really don't care it is i personally would like him out of the AEW at this point because i think it i think it hurts the company long term more than it, than it helps him to be there at this point but i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean like i <laughs> Like a year from now, like a Kenny Omega CM Punk match would be like humongous. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like you you could always turn these things into something. But I I suspect that we won't see CM Punk wrestling in AEW ever again. Um, it's just my guess. It's just my gut feeling. Um, but but it looks like the elite's coming back, so that's good. And then the in the video was very interesting. Them once again showing them in all these really important moments in their AEW uh, careers and the history of AEW in general. And then like being like, like faded, disappeared out of those pictures and stuff. It, it leads me to believe that there's, there's obviously like a bigger story for their return. So, so where do we think this, this return video is going? Cause as you, as you said, the vignette was them being essentially erased, uh, erased from this history that they created. I mean, them and Cody and obviously Tony Khan, they created AEW and they, Look, they, they're some of the most decorated wrestlers in the company. Bucks are two-time tag champs. Omega's world, former world champ. They're the first ever trio champions. They have top moments in the history of this company. And then they were essentially erased for a few weeks. They, they weren't in the intro. They just were stripped of the titles with no real reason. It's just like, hey, we're going to crown new champions. Nothing was really mentioned. And now they run this vignette. Do they come back? And I think people are going to cheer for them. 
But do they come back with a, like a little fire lit of they hint around being gone, but obviously they can't say anything about anything. So are they like, you know, you tried to erase us. We're back. You took what was ours. We're here to take it back. Like, where are they going, do you think, with this story based on that video package? That's a really good question. I mean, that's like the question, really, you know, outside of like, when will they return? Like, how are they going to do this? I, I think that for what it's worth, this is pretty obvious, but not everybody follows this. I'd highly recommend if if BTE returns, like definitely watch the first episode of that back. Because I oh, feel yeah. like that's probably going to be the place where like, even if they can't say things, because that's the other side of this that we have to be fair about. There's there's probably a lot of people that are involved in this that like li- that legally cannot talk, you know. So like until this is all figured out, or maybe they can't talk about it at all. They might assign some sort of non disclosure to get this all figured out too. So we can't like get upset with like Kenny and the Bucks not saying anything about it, you know, if they don't. But I feel like if if we hear anything, um, I think the best chance I should say of hearing like something like real about this would be like through bte like even if they're joking about it like i think they'll address it on bte um to some degree um but as far as the story of them coming in like i really i really don't know but it's it's intriguing just the concept of like once again like showing them and then showing them disappearing and i just you know i i highly doubt the story is going to be anything along the lines of like tony khan explaining why they've been gone like the, like the real explanation to the fans you know like I, I i you know but but they're clearly alluding to like the elite disappearing um which also is confusing to like the the casual fan base because once again i know in 2022 most fans were like they're on the internet and they're you know if they need if they want to find something out they can but there's definitely a percentage of the fan base, whether it's a, a small percentage, there are fans out there that still to this day don't understand why Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were the trios champions. And then they just don't have the titles anymore. And why CM Punk was a world champion. Now John Moxley's the champion again. And like they, and they don't pay, they don't care enough like we do to like pay attention to all the, all the backstage. Stuff. So like they just watch the show or they, maybe they watch it occasionally and they're just like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like they, like they don't know oh, I- why they're not there. I have friends who are casual fans who just watch the show. They're not online or anything. They were confused by the whole situation. And then they had to get online or they ask me and I explain it to them. And But yeah, if you just watch the show, very confusing stuff of just like, hey, if you watch all out and everything that happened there <laughs> doesn't really matter now because we're going to crown a new world champion and new trio champions. And we're not going to really tell you tell you why. This is going to happen. I think they got to do some sort of explanation of of what happened. And even if I don't think anything outright is going to be said, especially on television, I'm with you. If they're going to do something, maybe they, they poke a a little fun at in BTE. Uh, But I don't, I don't know when BTE is coming back because not that I think like BTE rub people the wrong way, but with this like changeover and, and leadership and everything, uh, and Jericho and Moxley and Danielson becoming more of locker room leaders. I could see the BTE stuff, the passive aggressive stuff that they do on that show. Uh, I could see that rubbing people the wrong way. Obviously, there are certain fact, there certain portion of the the fan or the locker room that enjoy that stuff. I mean, Sammy, Sammy still does his vlog. He doesn't. He addresses like the kinks and stuff. He pokes fun at some of the stuff, like he's stomping on like Eddie's action figure 
and whatnot. Um, but the elite go, they really lean into that stuff. And I can see that being an issue. And I can see Tony Khan. I mean, it's re- been reported that Tony like wasn't the biggest fan of that stuff in the first place. I don't know how true that is because I do think Tony like enjoys some of that. I mean, Tony, Tony does that shit too. When the, the whole, when it was talked about that, uh, WWE had the relationship with new Japan was working on a relationship with new Japan. And Tony releases that video where he basically cuts a promo on the Nick Khan man talking about the relationship with like Tony does that stuff too. So I could see Tony not minding it as much as it was reported, but I could also see him being like, yeah, knock it off. Like, or you're definitely not joking about this. This is just something don't mention it. Don't joke about it. Just let it go and move on and do, do your stuff, do whatever you want to do, do your storylines, tell your stories. Don't even bring up this all out stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Foster says, do you see any chance that CM Punk could be back? I, my personal opinion, I don't think he's back in AEW because I think this statement that came out or this report that came out yesterday does more harm for him because he is, almost drudging it back up. And I don't think again, certain parts of that, that report make him look good. And if you try to bring him back now, like I could see, okay, Hey, it smooths over or just time heals all wounds type of thing. Maybe he comes back, but now he's again, poking things that seem to be a dead issue. And he is again, trying to make himself look to be that he was a victim in some sense here. And maybe he was, if the door got kicked in, and Larry got teeth knocked out, and he was a victim to an extent. Some of that report, though, I don't think makes him look good, and I don't think that they're going to be like, yeah, let's bring him back in the locker room when he is still trying to drag this stuff back up. I don't think he's going to WWE either. I know there have been reports on that. I know there have been people talked about, well, Triple H would do it because of the the money that that they could make with CM Punk. They would do it to stick it to AEW type of thing. All of that is true. I understand all of that. As I tweeted last week, there is a human and emotional factor to this that I think people overlook because all they want to talk about is how much money CM Punk is going to make. And that's why we're in this position in the first place is because human emotions got in the way of making money. If they just want to make money, all of them just would have done business and put these feelings aside and been like, Oh, fuck it. Like we might have issues with each other, but you know what? Let's do it. Let's turn it. Let's do a match and and make money out of this. And since CM Punk said what he said, the elite reacted how they reacted. And now we're in this position. You bring CM Punk into the WWE locker room after he comes off this situation. How does Roman Reigns feel about that? How does Roman Reigns feel like, wait, what, why do we need this guy? This guy thinks he's going to come in here and just headline WrestleMania after all the shit he's done. How does Kevin Owens feel? Owens tweeted that picture with him and Austin at Mania. How does he feel? He's good friends with with the Elite. How does he feel? How does Cody feel? Because Co- there's the speculation that Punk coming in and that stuff kind of led Cody to leave. And how does a guy like Cody? How does Seth Rollins feel? Rollins tried to drudge up interest on Twitter with punk when punk was on backstage and punk reacted how he reacted. Like how does Rollins feel about that stuff? Like how do those guys feel if they, if it's just like, yeah, let's throw and I understand, Oh, they're going to make a bunch of money. Yeah. CM Punk's making a bunch of money too. And I'm not saying they don't want punk to make money. A lot of these guys are probably just happy that everybody makes money, but it's like, you're benefiting. 
how much is the benefit there of Punk coming in of like, he's getting $3 million. I'm just throwing numbers out there. He's getting money off of this too. Like, is it enough to justify, yeah, this guy is also making a bunch of money. Do we really want to help this guy out after all he has done? And do we really want to put him on this platform and this pedestal after all he has done, after all he said about us, after all he said about WWE, after all he said about our friends, after all he did in the last company? Do we really want to help this guy out when we've been here busting our ass the entire time? There's a human element that people just don't want to talk about here because they're like, well, they'd make a bunch of money for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I absolutely agree with all of that. Like, and not just, you know, you said like the Kevin Owens picture and all that stuff. Like, let's not forget, like CM Punk and Kevin Owens don't get along. They are enemies from years ago because CM Punk didn't think Kevin Owens took it seriously enough because he didn't wasn't in you know, good physical shape or whatever. Like AJ Styles, how's he how's he feel? They had a huge falling out years ago. I mean, CM Punk has like all these enemies from like his past that that, that it's like. And it happened in AEW too, obviously, with like Kingston and like all these guys that like he he didn't get along with like previously and stuff. Like, so it, it's one of those things where like you don't have to get along with everyone. Like you can you can set aside differences and make money together in, in pro wrestling. Like I get that, but you know, it's like it's also the whole idea of CM Punk, like he comes into AEW, doesn't join the company for the first couple of years because it isn't like established enough for him. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he, he didn't, he never, he didn't really buy in like everyone else did at the beginning of the company. It took years of like courting him to eventually get him to join in a ton of money. So they bring him in, pops a massive ratings. Like that whole return in Chicago was incredible. His storylines were incredible. Like it really was his on-screen run AW AW is fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to dispute that at all. Um, but it's like you gave him all that. Like you gave him the world title multiple times. He keeps getting injured. He's causing these kind of problems. But the real red flag to me is he went from like, I'm so happy to be here. Tony Khan like has like the ring of honor library and like, he's going to do it justice. And like, I'm just so happy that I'm finally working for like a real pro wrestling fan and like a, this real pro wrestling company and blah, blah, blah. And within a year, like this is where he's at. Like if you're the WWE, like you got you or anywhere else, you have to look at that track record and be like, this pretty much happened in Ring of Honor. This pretty much happened, you know, ten years ago when he left the WWE. And the, the same thing with the WWE, where he had like time left on his contract and went home. Like it's, it just it's just a mess. Like and not to mention, look, look, I'm not going to deny that CM Punk is like a superstar in wrestling, but in 2022, I don't think he has any real like mainstream star value like the wrestling audience might still be into it i guess but there's a lot of us who aren't anymore anyone who followed his mma career pretty much dropped you know jumped off the the bandwagon and like it's just one of those things where it's like he can't go back to mma he's burning a bridge with aew he's not going to work anywhere else it's not he's he's not going to go grind the indies or like work for impact i mean obviously so like it really wwe would be the only option so he kind of has to like tuck his tail between his legs and go back and work there if they if they'll want him there but if i'm wb i'm sitting there going yeah maybe we could bring punk in for like a wrestlemania and a SummerSlam kind of thing but like you know for like maybe some big matches but like you're not going to build your company around him you can't put the world title on him look what happened twice in AEW. never defended it once and and got injured multiple times and then threw a temper tantrum after the pay-per-view it's like 
and then fought and then threw a sucker punch backstage. Like it's, this isn't like, why would you want to bring that into your company? Unless, you know, once again, I guess this is a little bit different if we're talking about like, not that he would act like this, but like a John Cena, because like, he's still a massive star. So like, you can kind of, there's like, there's the seesaw of that, right? Where it's like, I, I always, a good example for me would be like Randy Moss for the Minnesota Vikings back in the nineties, like terrible teammate played when he wanted to play hot dogged out there, got himself fined and penalized and, you know, a straight cash homie and all that. Right. But it was worth it because he was incredible on the field. So it was just like, you know what? I don't really care if he pisses his teammates off. Cause like he's winning us games with the way he's ways he's playing. So like there's the trade off there. And that's what you have to think about with CM Punk is the juice worth the squeeze is all the, is all the money you have to give him. Plus the, 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 very Hulk Hogan-esque, that doesn't work for me, brother, type attitude I feel like he has now, too, where he doesn't want to... I mean, he didn't put anyone over. Like, he put MJF over, but then he beat him. Like, so like he, like the whole time, like, he just went and just beat all the all the up-and-coming up AEW talent when it's when he was supposed to be, like, elevating that talent based on the, the promos he used to cut. And so it's just, it's like, it's weird. Like, do you bring him into WWE just for him to be like, I don't really want to lose to that person or that person? Like, and then and then for what? You know, I just, I just don't think he like, I think he would spike some ratings initially and then it would just, and then, and then you got, you know what I mean? Then you got to make some real decisions. Like, do you prioritize him over Cody? Do you prioritize him over Roman, over, over, um, people you're trying to build for the future of your company? Like I, I, so for me personally, I don't, once again, I'm biased. I get it. I, I don't think he really fits in anywhere right now, but I, but I would understand like if WWE wanted to bring him in for like some big matches, but I don't think he'd have like an AEW type run there where he's there like every week kind of thing. You know what I mean? CM Punk's got to work his way from the bottom, start at uh wrestling open every Thursday on IWTV. Just go there, do that for a few months, you know, prove that you, you're still a good wrestler, prove you can get along with the indie guys, work for the hot dog and the handshake. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash fightful it's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with better help that's betterhelp.com slash fightful 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I think the, the gimmick with Wrestling Open was like you have to pay to, to work there. You get paid based on like building up the ring crew and stuff. And that's where he's got to start. He's got, he's got to go back to and do Wrestling Open. And then maybe... In, in three or four years, he'll be good enough to, to make it back to, to WWE. Uh, Money Mark says, Punk and Triple H don't like each other. Yeah, that's, that's I don't think people are ignoring that, but maybe they don't realize that it's not just a, oh, well, Punk and Vince McMahon don't get along. I think Punk dislikes Triple H more than he likes Vince McMahon. He was always taking shots at Triple H, the doofus son-in-law. Uh, even when, you know, the changeover happened and Punk was asked about the changeover, he was like, well, nothing's going to really change. And he cited, um, he, he cited how they handled the Brock Lesnar situation compared to how they handled the, the Sasha Banks situation, which is a little off base on, but he doesn't think that anything was really going to change based on Triple H being in charge. And I don't think Triple H is going to be a guy like, yeah, okay, it'll, unless Triple H is that petty and he might be. Uh, with AEW and Punk is going to be that petty with AEW as well, but pride's got to be swallowed here. And I don't know if CM Punk is going to swallow pride and be like, you know what? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be on my best behavior. I'm going to do good business. And then let's fucking go. I don't know if that's going to happen because he did that with AEW for just under a year and then it all blew up. It's going to be much tougher to do that in an environment that he has actually trashed. He never trashed AEW. He just didn't. It just took him a while. I don't know if he's going to pri- swallow some pride on this. Yeah. Right? I, so I, unless we see again CM Punk and beyond her. No, he's got to go to level up and prove himself. Get, get hell yeah. Let's see CM Punk on. The- he's got to work a main event a uh, little bit on, on Hulu Plus. Do that. No, I want to start at the, the very bottom. Yeah. Work in front of you know 20 people again and yeah. and go from there. Hell yeah. See him for Javier Bernal and level up. And uh <laughs> yeah, I mean I yeah, there was a there was one other point I was gonna make, but I kind of forgot. But it, we we've probably covered everything we need to as far as yeah. uh as far as it goes for punk. So uh so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens going forward, but I'm excited yeah. that the I know the elite get people are kind of taking sides of like oh I'd much rather have punk on television and things like that. I think people undervalue the elite because they like they they want AEW to be a certain way, and I understand that. And again, punk on television, fantastic. I loved all of his matches. I loved his stories. Uh, the elite can be hit or miss with me with some of their stuff. Sometimes they're I love popping myself. That's that's my whole gimmick. Um, so like <laughs> I like when the elite do that, but I understand how it can be a little bit of a turnoff that they just want to pop themselves all the time. But like in the ring, Young Bucks and Omega don't really miss in the ring, and they add a freshness to the television product as well. And I am excited for them to come back. And like man, the elite that Omega and Hangman storyline, and with the Young Bucks involved with that, that's still some of the best work AEW has done. And I'm not going to undercut that just because CM Punk had had a good year and everything. The elite have a lot of value in the ring and as a on screen presence as characters. 
uh, backstage. We'll see how, how things go. Maybe they do take a step back and be a little bit more just executive instead of raw, raw locker room leaders, leave that stuff to, to Moxley and Jericho and Danielson, who seem to have a good hold on things. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, I one, one last point that I'll make is that, you know, I know you'd mentioned, I've seen other fans mention this too, about like the idea of CM Punk going to the WWE being like a big, like, like a W over AEW pretty much. Like it's, it's like, you know, it isn't just getting CM Punk. It's, you know, you're getting AEW CM Punk, but it's, that's kind of true. But I mean, CM Punk's already so established. Like it's different. Like they, I, my point is like, they've already done, if you, if, which, if you want, if, if as like a WWE fan, like you want to see, WWE stick it to AEW like they've already done that like they got Cody from AEW like that's like the biggest that's like that's that's that that's sticking it to somebody right there um if if the elite and Kenny wound up there or sorry Kenny and the Bucks wound up over there that's the same kind of thing CM Punk it's a little bit different right like I, I don't I don't I don't consider CM Punk to be like the heart and soul of AEW I consider the elite he's the dollars be, and cents right he's the dollars and cents is that well according to him but here's the thing that the numbers didn't really like get that much better i feel like i don't know it's it, they did for a minute for sure like they, they definitely pop some ratings but i don't know what let's once again we'll we'll see we'll see where the what what happens but what it looks like it looks like the elites coming back i'm very very happy that kenny and the bucks are coming back they're three of the best wrestlers in the entire world they mean so much to AEW as a company and it felt very weird with them not being around um so you know i'm, I'm just looking forward to them being back uh, my AW spotlight is Willow Nightingale. Something happy here on this show. Yes. Willow Nightingale got signed officially uh, on television at, at Rampage after she defeated Layla Gray. Willow's been working with AEW for a while now on, on like Dark and everything. And then she's had more of a television presence uh, in recent months. You know, she's challenged Jade uh, for the for the title at Battle of the Belts. And now she she's officially signed. Look, this is a great signing for AEW it bolsters their women's division i hope i hope she does not get lost in that shuffle because we we've seen a lot of women come in and just get lost in that shuffle because they are they're very focused on on whatever Britt baker is doing and then whatever the title situation is which now sort of involves Britt baker uh soraya is there and she's involved with Britt and then whatever whatever jade's doing which is now a feud with nyla just get willow like even if you just have her win in, in short time on Dynamite or Rampage, like that's fine. Just get her on TV. She has such a presence on TV. She's so likable. Britt Baker said this in the interview with Swerve. Is like she knows who she is on television as well. She understands her character. She understands what she's doing, and she 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 attracts people. Like she, there's something about her that people are drawn to her. But you got to be on television. For that and dex baker says ruby and, and athena yeah like Ru- ruby was hot for a moment and then after she did the program with Britt, it was like eh, she's just kind of like there athena and the same thing she did the program with jade and now she's just kind of like there i don't will want willow to just be there all right like just give me something with her just get her on tv just have her do vignettes whatever it might be because it, this is not just an issue in the women's division as well. They do this with the men. I'm going to point out Ricky Starks, who has this big win over Powerhouse, and then he has like one squash match on TV a week or two later, and then it's just gone off television. And I don't understand it. Ricky is a guy who has a presence, 
who just attracts people every time he's on TV. Willow, the same thing, but you got to keep them on television consistently. I think this is a great, great, great pickup for the women's division. Needs to be featured. Just needs to be featured. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been a long time coming, too, because she's been working like AW Dark and stuff for it feels like years now. I mean, at least at least last year. I know she's been she's been popping up. I know she did the Ring of Honor uh, women's tournament as well for their for their world title before the company shut down. Um, I knew her mostly from like Beyond Wrestling because she used to do like a lot of Beyond Wrestling shows. And she used to be a part of that um, Bird and the Bee tag team with Solo Darling. The um, I, I used to see a lot because I, I used to cover well, I still cover on Charter Territory when it when it's airing, but back back when it was uh, beyond wrestling on Charter Territory, you know, I cover it every week for the weekender, and she was on like almost every episode of that show, like during the Beyond Wrestling season. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. She's she's got a fan base too. Like she she has like a built in like audience, like through Twitter and stuff. Like she's already got fans. Um, very very good in the ring. And I say this all the time about wrestlers. She's, she's different. Like, so I, you, we need people that are different in wrestling. Just like, it's feel like it stand out, you know? And I feel like she stands out. Like, she's got a different look. She's got a different vibe about her. Like, she's very, very, very likable. So it's just like, she 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 gets over everywhere I've seen her work, whether it's on the indies or anywhere else. Like, she gets in front of a crowd. Just give her a chance in front of a crowd. She'll get over. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's a long time coming, you know, I, I, um, I, when it comes to like the women's division specifically in AEW, I feel like there's the opportunity there to like really make an impact fast because with like the men, it feels, you know, the, the, the roster is just so, there's so many people signed to AEW between AEW and Ring of Honor that it's like, I feel like when you're, if you're a dude and you get signed to AEW, like, you, you that climb is like insane unless you come in as like a tippy top star with the women i feel like there's a little more um a little more opportunity there being new and coming in and like having potential to like really rise the ranks quickly because you have the opportunity of like doing something against jade cargo for the for the tbs championship or you do have the the chance of like you know like here's a good example like chris statlander's injured and Chris Island is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Um, it's very similarly, I used to watch her on Beyond Wrestling around the same time I'm talking about Willow. And she's she's fantastic, but she's injured right now. Maybe you can kind of take maybe some of that push that that Statlander was supposed to get and maybe put that on Willow. Like, you know, like what's like you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's there's just opportunities there for her to fit in and like actually get a push. And it feels like they are gonna involve her with like, you know, other women like Athena and stuff that. I think she's going to have good matches. I think the stories could be interesting. Um, and w- once again, she's going to, she's going to get over. I, I, she already is over for like, but she's going to get a lot more over once the fans see more and more of her. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I am, uh, Anthony mentioned, uh, hater. Yeah. Jamie Hater is another one where like, she's like, she's, in, she's, she's in a, her, she's a few levels higher. Cause she's been, you know, involved with AEW longer and the fans have been have been waiting for her to like really break out and that looks like it's going to happen very soon but it's 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 promising to see because AEW's women's division the the long-term success of that division was always going to depend on how much they could develop like homegrown uh female talent because they just didn't they didn't have a start with like a roster of like Charlotte Flair's and Sasha Banks's and and Bailey's and and Bianca Belair's and stuff like they had 
you know, some solid, some solid wrestlers and they have like Thunder Rosa and they had, you know, uh, you know, got Serena Deeb and, uh, you know, Britt Baker got mega over really fast and stuff like that. But like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just one of those things where like they, they, I feel like they, they could really, really benefit, like you said, from having Willow in their division and long-term, like, even if she doesn't become like a champion right away, as long as they can just, just keep her in a good spot and keep her visible to the audience and give her big wins, even occasionally when those opportunities open up towards the top of the card, I think she's going to be ready for it. I think Willow is next up as ROH women's champion. And like that, that gets her on TV because we know Tony loves using uh, the ROH brand on television right now. Mercedes is injured. So I, I would imagine we probably would have seen, at least on Rampage, more of an ROH women's title presence on that show with Mercedes' injury. Couldn't really do that. Uh, it sounds like Mercedes is, the way she's been tweeting, I don't know anything official, but the way she's been tweeting, it seems like she'll, she'll be back sooner rather than later. I imagine she'll be at final battle. And you you mentioned Willow competing in the, the, the tournament uh, for the ROH women's title. I think that Willow is probably going to face Mercedes at final battle and, and take the title from her there. And that I, I got my issues with ROH having such a presence on AEW television. I look forward to whenever ROH gets their own television time, whatever that is. And so they could separate the brands a little bit more, but as long as it gets Willow consistently on one of the television shows on television, somehow that's fine. Put the ROH women's title on her. She just needs to be there consistently. I like that idea. I think it makes, total sense that she'd be um a bit more involved with ring of honor especially towards the beginning of her run there to uh because once again that's that's a perfect example of just having more opportunity um not just in aw but on you know on ring of honor which is basically aw but a separate brand gives you know so yeah no i'm with you i, th- I think that i think it makes total sense I, c- I could totally see her going after the ring of honor uh, women's championship let's go to our wwe spotlight want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. You know who's a WWE superstar? Steven Jensen. Not Simone Johnson, but mm. Ava Rain. So Joe Gacy and Schism revealed their newest member, the person in the red hoodie, took the mask off. It is Ava Rain, the former Simone Johnson, the Rock's daughter. And she basically said, everyone thinks they know my identity. These people accept me for who I am, not because of who I'm related to. And she is part of the schism group now. What Did you watch this segment? What did you think of this I did. segment? I did. I tuned in for it. I actually tuned in specifically for only that. Because ah. um, like, I saw on Twitter, everyone was like, it's, it's happening next. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pop this on. Jeremy, she did it for The Rock. She did it for the people. <laughs> Um, it was funny because like, I didn't know that was her initially. I was like, cause yeah, she took the mask off and I was like, who's that? Like, what is like, like, is this a big deal? Who is this? And then, uh, and then I realized, cause I don't know who, I didn't know the name Ava Rain. I was like, right. And then, and then I was like, wait, this kind of looks like the rock star. Cause I have seen pictures of the rock's daughter before. And I was like, is that the rock's daughter? And I looked on Twitter and it was all just like the rock's daughter is part of kids and the rock's daughter, rock's daughter. And I was like, okay, so it is the rock's daughter. Um, Cool, I guess. I don't. I don't know if she's any good. I, I have no idea. I mean, I'd imagine she's probably fairly new. I know she's been in like the the belt metal system for a little while, but um, it is cool. I mean, like, 
I mean, it's gotta be exciting if you're Joe Gacy, because you know, in like in the uh, uh, what do they call the uh, the dyad veterans? What dyad now? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's gotta be kind of exciting for those guys because you'd think that maybe that might have like a direct line to the Rock now to some degree, where like she might need some help with something, and Joe Gacy can be like, "Yo, Rocky, how can you help? How can you help us out?" Like, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I I don't know enough about um her at this stage to like make a real opinion on it. But I know that the, uh, the storyline was intriguing for people. And like, you know, there was a lot of buzz around who it was going to be. I saw a lot of people think, think it was going to be Isla Dawn for some reason. And obviously I, you know, I covered NXT UK. So I was like, that'd be kind of cool. Cause like so many of the NXT UK talents now, it's so funny to me because all these people now I see on Twitter, they're like, Ilya Dragunov's awesome. Like JD McDonough is really good. And I'm like, I've been saying this for years on the weekend or every single Sunday. I'm like, how are people not watching these shows? Like they're actually really good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Like I, uh, I cool, I guess. I mean, how do you feel about it? Is this like, do, do you know anything really about Ava? Um, what's, I, what's her name? I, Ava, Ava Rain. Rain. Yeah. I tell it's like what's Ava Rain? Uh Ava the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I understand. I don't know whose decision it was to be like, hey, let's not use Simone Johnson. Let's not try to tie her into the let's rock, like let's make her her own person. I don't know who made that decision, if it was a Shawn Michaels call, if it was a Vince McMahon call, because this all kind of happened uh with after Triple H had, had stepped away. But it could have been his call as well. Maybe it was her call. Maybe she was like Hey, I don't like, I want to try to build something on my own. Like that's what she is certainly implying on Twitter uh, when the name change became official and what she's implying now in this promo is like, she just wants to do it on her own. I understand wanting to go that route because if you try to draw comparisons to the rock, if you try to be like, Oh, this is the rock's daughter. Like that's just, it's almost just setting yourself up. Like if you're Michael Jordan's kids, like, oh yeah, you're you're better off just like having a different last name than Jordan. You know, right. J- call I was gonna say Jackson, but then you get compared to you know famous Jacksons and everything. Right. Uh, so Jordes, I don't know. Uh, like just just completely change your name because if you if you're a basketball player, you're Michael Jordan's kid. You try to play basketball, you're just immediately compared. LeBron's kids are gonna have the same issue. It's just what's gonna happen. So if you well, try to use, let's say on the flip side though, if you're like Braun Breaker, like people want the Steiner name. You know yeah, what I mean? but he's see. So here's here's the thing, and, and the wife just texted me like Charlotte feels like an exception. They're good. I don't Cody, know. If, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I don't mean, know yeah. if Ava Rain is good. That's a good and point. And I I think that that is, is sort of why she might want to pivot from this as well because she's been in the system for a while. She's had like multiple knee surgeries. Um, I don't know if she's that good. And she's certainly the rock is the rock, right? Like that's tip top, top, top of the top, as they say. Uh, so to try to draw comparisons to him, just that's, that's a tough one right there. Do your own thing. I don't have much use for Joe Gacy and the dyad and the schism and everything. These spooky gimmicks and cult gimmicks, they do absolutely nothing for me they're doing this shit with scyther or scripts or whatever the fuck the the name is like i don't have i don't have time for this judgment day is wearing thin on me with their stuff as well like i I just don't have time for this stuff we'll see what happens with ava rain i don't know if she's any good in the ring 
I don't know if she's going to wrestle that much. She has like a little bit of a presence about her. They can protect her sort of with just like, oh, it's the gimmick that she's doing. So she doesn't have to like, they, she, they can do like the weird WWE speak promos and use the words that they think are like uh, big and over people's heads. But really it's just to make up for the fact that they aren't really saying shit. Bray right. Wyatt used to do that all the time. Bray Wyatt wouldn't actually say a damn thing, but the way he talked and the tone he would use and the words he would use, people are just like, oh, Bray Wyatt's dropping knowledge out here with these words he's speaking. It's like, Bray Wyatt ain't saying shit and he keeps losing all these matches. He ain't doing anything. So they can protect her in that way. I'll let it play out. I ain't I I I ain't super high uh, on this whole thing though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean like the Joe Gacy stuff. I'm I'm interested to see where that goes because it felt like he had like you mentioned Bray Wyatt. Like he he draws like very very clear comparisons to Bray Wyatt with me with like the original Wyatt family and like his delivery and even like his his family with the dyad and stuff like it has similar vibes to like Harper and Rowan in a lot of ways to me and stuff like, and now that Wyatt's back is like, where do you go from here with this guy? If he's basically doing Bray Wyatt, but they have the real thing back now, you know, but I will say I, like, I do like Joe Gacy. I I've, I've been a fan of his since like CZW. Like I actually think I, I'm, I am shocked that he has worked out this well in the WWE system. Not, 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 not on him. Just, I didn't think the WWE system would have any idea of how to utilize him. Um, so I, I actually Joe, am a fan of what he does. Joe Gacy just waiting for The Rock to make like that that classic murder thriller movie. He's like, Dwayne, you got to stop making these superhero movies. Like I'm here, make a make a nice suspenseful thriller. I'm your guy here. Rock's just like, nah. I'm just gonna throw together you know a bunch of action scenes and make a billion dollars at the box office and not actually put any thought into these movies. There you go. The best is like, I don't watch a whole lot of movies, but occasionally I'll see a movie with a rock in it and he'll like actually do like a rock bottom or something to someone like in the movie. And I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) Dude, the rock rules. He's just like, yeah, let me just throw together this basic ass plot, put a bunch of fight scenes, hand me my billion dollar check for all this money I'm about to make. And we're, we're good to go. Rock's great. Joe Casey ain't getting no, no parts in no movies. Joe Casey ain't got no direct line to the rock. All right, a- Ava Rain's gonna call and be like, "Dad, you know, I'm I'm doing a cult gimmick right now, and they're asking me to do this." And, and Rock's like, "Oh, what you want to do is just mention family and <laughs> just beat people up. Just talk about sticking heads up asses, and then just beat people up. That's yes. that's all the Rock does in his movies." And like, I noticed, Rain, mind you, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess the the. the I, I tried watching Hobbs and Shaw and I was like, this is just too, it's just too much for me. I just can't Oh no, this. you're not going to um, disparage. But, We're well, not we, disparaging we, the we, Fast we, and the Furious we, universe. We, dude, oh, oh, we could do a whole, a whole Absolutely hour not. plus on just my thoughts on Fast and Furious franchise. Um, but They better be good. They better oh, be good thoughts. Oh, okay. We'll get into that another day. Um, everything after Tokyo Drift, I think is just garbage. Everybody, I'm looking for a new co-host for the spotlights because Steven Jensen has disparaged the Fast and the Furious franchise, the greatest film franchise of all time. There, there's no comparison to anything else. The the Marvel universe sucks. The DC universe sucks. The Harry Potter universe sucks. The Star Wars universe sucks. The Star Trek universe sucks. The Disney franchise universe sucks. They all suck. The Fast and Furious franchise is the greatest franchise known to man. 
Well, maybe one of these days we'll throw up the uh, the Steven Jensen addresses his enemies uh, logo, and I'll I'll give you my thoughts on Fast and Furious. But um, I also noticed Ava Rain uh, with the contact lenses too, so that you know made her spooky. That always right? adds the element of so. spooky. Just throw some contact lenses in there. Yeah. Anyway, we can we can move on. Um, well, no, so so no, Dex Baxter, the, the I, I Dex Baker. I mean, can you pull up his his chat real quick? Yes. So. Um, it says this man said after Tokyo Drift, as if Tokyo Drift was good. LOL. Dex, I'm with you until so when as those movies were coming out, like I liked the first one because you got to re- remember, I was in like middle school when these movies first came out. I want to say we we both would have been like in middle school when the first Fast and Furious came out. I think um, I thought I loved the I saw the first one, and the second one, and the third one all in all in theaters. Right, like first one I really liked because it was like an actual movie about like an undercover cop with like this underground racing scene and like like. Thieves, and, but it rolls right but it's like an actual like it's not like totally believable but like it's an actual story that could happen the second movie is a little bit crazier no vin diesel but like you know still a pretty good movie i thought like i mean a, a little more out there like i remember them like 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 landing like a like a car onto like a boat at the end of the oh, movie yeah, and stuff, boat, and yeah. <laughs> a little bit wacky but like still pretty fun you know at the end you know we hungry they stole the money it's like okay cool Third movie, Tokyo Drift, I took a date to. I remember this. And we both looked at each other the entire time like, this is lame as hell. Like, I'm very sorry for bringing you to this. Um, but after seeing all the other Fast and Furious movies and going back and revisiting Tokyo Drift, I think Tokyo Drift is actually, in, in comparison to the rest of the franchise, I think Tokyo Drift is actually really good. Um, except for how they tried to make like the main character like a high schooler when he was like 40. Like, that was weird. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that's a whole, that's, dude, that's so out of topic. I don't have that much time before I have to clock into work. And I kind of want, I kind of don't want to let you get a word in because I think there's a lot you want to say about this. We, we should save it. Fast and Furious is about family and following your dreams. And if you have an issue with that, <laughs> I have an issue with you. That's fair. Okay. All right. All right. Wesley won the NXT North American Championship at NXT Halloween Havoc. He won a ladder match because Shawn Michaels loves his damn ladder matches. I thought Wesley put in a great performance. He looked like he got murdered when he got thrown uh, onto the announce table and slid off on it, but came back to win. Wesley, good for him. He was a, he was part of the not the Rascals, uh, MSK, and then his partner, uh, you know, did what he did. But you know, good, good on Wesley. That getting this victory and now we'll see what happens with the, the north american title where are you at on this wesley victory i'm happy i'm happy i'm very happy um he was put in a in a not great situation you know i mean you said like his partner and the, uh, there's still a lot of like murkiness around that to be fair like i don't i don't want to talk a whole lot about any of that but like you know the rest of the rest of them the rest of the rascals are, are all you know, together again out on the Indies, you know, Myron Reed back, back with those guys too. A lot of people forget that Myron Reed is the fourth rascal. He just didn't go to impact with the rest of those guys when they went. But I, I, I think for Wesley, it's like, and obviously, you know, Trey Miguel's killing it, doing what he's doing. I mean, like they're, they're all, they're all having uh, good runs, but for, for Wesley, I'm just very happy for him because like he came in as a, as a tag team guy and with the big tag team push and, that was clearly the plans for him was like to have a run as a tag team. And that, that changed and it was just him and they had to figure out what to do, like what direction to go. Like, does, does, does he stay in the company? Do, do, do you pair him with someone new and try to make a new tag team? Do you just 
and invest and have faith in the dude and just say, you know what, we believe in you individually. Um, let's see what you can do as a singles performer. And that's where I think they're at with it. Like they, they see he's talented. He's charismatic. Um, once again, he's different. He's got a good, he's got a different look. He's got a different type of move set. different. I, you know what I mean? Just like, just bring it, just give me stuff that's different. And he thinks outside the box, all those guys do with the rascals. Like they're always thinking outside the box and like innovating. And, um, and it's just the perfect timing. It was like they they vacated the championship because of the whole Sol Sokoa thing, which was just weird in itself. But it was like the perfect opportunity to start fresh with a brand new champion. Like to go back to Carmelo Hayes would have been fine, but like I feel like he's going to be main roster soon enough. So it's like, why not throw a throw a, an opportunity to 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 Wesley? And uh, I think he's going to have a good run with the belt. Like I. That, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for the guy. Cause once again, it, it was a situation where he came in with a lot of momentum was doing really, really well with his tag team. His partner's no longer there. Now it's, you know, you know, what with the future is very uncertain. And now he's holding, you know, the, the NXT North American championship. And, and, and that's a title belt that's synonymous with like having to go out and have good matches, which I know he can do. So I'm looking forward to his, his run with the title. It should be good. Um, you know, they, they put a lot of stock into the the North American title. I don't understand that whole solo Sokoa thing. That was very weird. I feel like Carmelo is, it would have been fine to go back to him. I feel like he's main roster bound. There's, you know, speculation that he might be the member of hit row that comes up on Friday. We shall see about that. Um, but Wesley is, he's a good wrestler and it is good that he's found some footing after uh, being split with MSK because his partner, messed up so it's it's good that he's just he's able to stand out as a singles guy now and it wasn't just like thrown back into a tag team so i'm looking for he's gonna have great matches like that that's just no he's just gonna have great matches and i think a lot of times that's just sort of what they want out of the north american title where he does as a character is where you know what they he can do to stand out there is like okay how's his character going to be is he just a great match guy or is there going to be a little bit more to him with, with a character with this title run. So I'm looking forward to it. It should, it should be good. Hopefully they give him some, some good people to work with some good material to work with. As well. I, I believe that they will. I think, I think you'll have banger matches and this will, this will bring new life into his career. I think like, it, I think people will view him as like a, a potential single star in the WWE system going forward. If this is a successful run. And I, I have no reason to think it won't be successful because he's super talented. Onto our other spotlight. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Well, one thing that the NWA product does not do is empower women because they don't think they have enough television ready stars for empower. But you know who is television ready? And they're going to be on MLW Fightland. Taya Valkyrie against Trisha Dora. It's going to be on Fightland for the uh, Women's Championship, the Featherweight Women's Featherweight Championship. Jensen, this is your spotlight. Seems like you're. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hype for this match. Trisha Dora getting a good shot here. Yeah, I like it. I mean, so for one, MLW returning. So that's something that we, 
that I definitely wanted to bring up. Um, it's frustrating though, as a fan of MLW and somebody who covers it for the weekender, um, that you can never really watch unless, unless I'm wrong about Fightland. Like they usually don't let you watch yeah, these shows live. Fine. Yeah. So like, so you're, you, by the time a lot of this airs, it's somewhat obsolete. Or like, if you want to know the results, I mean, even if you don't want to know the results, if you're on Twitter, you're going to ne- inevitably see something pop up probably about the results from the show, whether it's a fan that attended live or, or MLW themselves, like promoting something that might've happened or something. So it's like, it's, it's frustrating because MLW should have a lot more buzz about them and they should have more of an audience, but they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot and pigeonholing their, their growth by not, it's similar in some ways to like PWG where it's like, why are you still doing a model where you're like selling DVDs like six months after the event happens in today's day and age, just stream it live. This is insane. Or if not live, like stream it like the next week or something like it gets. So, um, so yeah, that's, you know, but I want I just want to throw that out there. MLW is coming back soon. They, they do have really good talent on their, on their roster um, season after season. And I'm sure this will be no different with fight land. Um, and yeah, the main reason I brought it up though was for one, yeah, MLW is coming back for two. Tyler Valkyrie, featherweight champion. She's going all over the place, killing it in all these different companies, winning titles, you know, just doing a great job. And the main thing I wanted to bring up was Trisha Dora because I've talked, we're, we're actually talking about her a little bit in the interview with LOJ that you're going to hear at the end of the show. But Trisha Dora, um, super, super talented, has been for a long time all the way up at number 50, I think this year on the PWI 500, like the, like the main 500 list. And I think she was 44 the year prior with no mainstream wrestling exposure. Like she doesn't work any like AW dynamite doesn't work WWE really nothing. I mean, not even really like impact and stuff. So it's like she, she's done as well as she has and gained the, uh, the notoriety she has based like pretty much strictly off of working independence and being the, uh, the diaspora champion and everything. And so it's like, I think that that's, um, it's really cool to see like MLW bringing her in because it's her big MLW debut immediately in a title match. Trisha Dora versus, uh, versus Ty Valkyrie is going to be a great matchup. I really, I'm really looking forward to, it. I think it's gonna be really good. And I think it's going to expose a lot of new fans to Trisha Dora. And I don't know if like, I don't know how the contracts work. I don't know what she wants to do. I don't know what the companies want to do. I, I have no idea, but I would think that the showing that Trisha Dora has against, um, against high Valkyrie, assuming it's good, which I'm, I can pretty much guarantee it'll be a really good match. That should really put her on the, um, on the radar more for like, cause Trisha Dora should be on mainstream television somewhere. So I hope this is like the thing that she needs to like, just maybe whatever, whatever, maybe a little bump that like Tony Khan or Triple H or whoever needed uh, to, to go with her, like go, or even like impact. Like she would be, she'd be massive in impact because she could do a lot of wrestling against men and women and non-binary wrestlers. Like, like they, she could be right there with, with Masha Slamovich and Jordan Grace doing what they're doing in impact wrestling. Um, So I just hope that this is like a big, a big kind of like breakout moment for Trisha Dora against uh, Ty Valkyrie at MLW Fightland. It is, it is weird that Trisha Dora is not signed to one of the bigger promotions because she is a name along with Willow for like the past few years that a lot of people have just talked about of like, why isn't this person signed? Why isn't this person signed? Now, Willow, of course, just got signed, uh, but Trish is still 
you know, she's still out there. She's still a free agent. I don't know if she's signed officially with MLW. MLW contracts are a weird thing anyway to where even if you sign, it seems kind of easy to get out of them. Um, it's a good platform for her. Like you said, when it comes to MLW, because the visibility isn't as high, I mean, they always hype their new streaming deals and then it always ends up being something like now they're on pro wrestling TV. Like, right. Cool. I mean, I guess it's a good deal for them. Like, does that really have more visibility than like YouTube where, where there's shows? I still think they are fusion on YouTube. Oh, MLW is like, it's accessible, but it's not destination. And, and I, I'm not talking about the, there used to no, be a I channel get. called yeah. destination. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, no, yeah, but it's not, it's not destination. So hopefully this works out well for Trish Dort. Match should be great. Ty is great. Uh, like you said, she, she kills it everywhere she goes. And the, the match should definitely be good. And hopefully for Trish Dora, leads to, to bigger things for her. Uh, my other spotlight, keeping it on the women here. We have Kyrie, the former Kyrie Sane against Mayu Iwatani. This is going to be the IW, IWGP women's title tournament final. That's going to take place. At Wrestle Kingdom, which is a, a huge, huge match for for Wrestle Kingdom, uh, still a while while away, but they New Japan has introduced the IWGP. Actually, it's going to be a historic crossover. Sorry, I apologize that I, I messed up the event that the, this was. I, I do think there is going to be a, a women's match at Wrestle Kingdom, though. Um, but they're going to crown crown the champion. New Japan is introducing pretty much a, a women's division here, and we're getting the former Kyrie Sane against Iwatani. I'm not going to pretend like I'm this huge Joshi expert or anything like that. I, I know some of the women. I've seen some of them wrestle. I watched Kyrie against the alpha female, the former Jazzy Gabbard. I watched Iwatani against Utami. I really enjoyed the Iwatani against Utami match. I thought I thought it was fantastic. I'm, I'm kind of in love with Iwatani after, after watching this match and watching some other work from her. Uh, Kyrie is still great. Uh, they, they told a good story with just big against little, um, little, little clunky in some spots, but Kyrie, her elbow is still the best in, mm-hmm. business, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy that the women are getting just more of a spotlight on new Japan because since stardom and new Japan are under the Bushi road banner, they should have been doing this a while ago. Now they're finally doing this. I'm excited for them and I'm excited to watch some more Joshi wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Iwatani, Iwatani and Utani, I'm so bad with a lot of these names. I apologize. Um, that match was really, really good. No, I, I'm with you. And uh, Kyrie, dude, like you mentioned the elbow drop. Like, I am I say this a lot. Like, my, my favorite move in the history of pro wrestling is Randy Savage's top rope elbow drop. Like, I still think that's the best wrestling move, him specifically. Like, that's my favorite move ever. And so I'm very, very nitpicky on, like, people who do elbow drops off the top rope because I like it varies in, in, in quality across the board. Like you got like your Shawn Michaels who did, you know, the, the deal. And like, it was, it was cool. It was a good elbow drop, good. you know, but then you got like war horse, who I think has a fantastic elbow drop and killing it in recent years with his elbow drop, but you got like the CM Punk elbow drop, which was garbage. And then you got like Tyree Sane, who I honestly think probably outside of Randy Savage, probably has my favorite elbow drop ever just because of the way she it looks like she's just driving through her opponents on the way down the way she just she pulls her elbow down like that on the way down i just think it's uh i think it's fantastic and iwatani and, and Kyrie are like legitimately two of the best uh, like joshi wrestlers ever like in history so like i think that this is a uh, I mean, it makes sense that these two would be the ones wrestling for the IWGP Women's Championship, and I hope it happens. I hope we get more of, of this kind of stuff um, on 
um, on Wrestle Kingdom, as you were saying. But I, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest, like, uh, I'm, I'm like you. Like, I, I don't know nearly as much about, like, Joshi wrestling. It isn't just the, the on the women's side. Like, I just don't watch nearly as much, like, Japanese wrestling in general as I do, um, you know, American wrestling. So um, when you sent me this as your other spot, I was actually kind of excited because you, you sent it over and was like, hey, check these matches out. And I was like, man, why these are on my radar? Because I, I saw some clips on Twitter from some of these matches and I was interested, but I'm glad, um, I'm glad I checked out more of it because, um, yeah, they, they, I'm pretty hyped up for that, for that championship match. I think it's going to be really good. Who do you think wins? You, you think they go with Iwatani or with Kyrie? I think they go with Iwa, Iwatani. Kyrie seems like the, the easy pick, at least for like um, American fans, because we, we know Kyrie, uh, from, from WWE and everything, but I think they go with Iwatani. I want to say one thing about Iwatani real quickly is some of her counters are just, yeah like the counter she were doing yeah yeah they were they were so good so so good she did the she did the uh i like to call it the rim stereo counter but like where they're going for the the razor's edge of the gory bomb and turns that into a hurricane that's such a cool counter like it's such a cool counter so yeah she had some really really impressive counters in this one uh but that that's a great match uh, iwatani against utami and i assume i i suspect Kyrie and iwatani is going to be great if you do want a more expert opinion on on joshi uh you can go 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 on twitter at church of joshi our, our pals alex and kayla queen of the yep. ring kayla vision uh they they do church of joshi stuff uh scotty wrestling he does a, a joshi podcast on fightfuloverbook.com he also does uh the results and, and joshi joshi journal on fightful.com so there are like actual experts who cover and keep up with the joshi stuff this show you know we like to learn new learn learn about new wrestling that maybe we we're not as familiar with and it helps us hopefully it helps you guys a little bit as well and and go go check out those matches though and i am excited for the crossover with new japan because i will be watching more just because i watch the majority of the the big new japan events so i'll be watching more joshi as a result of that as well it's a long time coming i know kevin kelly has mentioned that he's wanted to do english commentary for for joshi because he wants to introduce american fans to to the joshi wrestling so yeah go go check that stuff out from from stardom uh i have to find the indies spotlight bumper here so nick gage can give his shout outs i'm gonna give a big mother fucking shout out any spotlight steven jensen mine this week was alec price against ac mac from wrestling open turn the page this is a big match you you know more about the history than i do but ac mac the the iwtv uh, champion and Alec Price. He's been been the staple of Beyond Wrestling. This is part of the sort of North vs. South battle, I believe. Here, um, AC Mac holding the title and then Uncharted Territory going to the South, where it was mainly always up in the North. AC Mac traveling to New Jersey for this match. I was excited for this match. Not gonna lie, Jensen. Finish left me a little disappointed. Some of the work left me a little disappointed. Becca came in, caused the DQ. That's how this match ended was not the big blow off I was hoping for here. What did you think of this match? Yeah, I was kind of surprised when you chose this as your spotlight. Now I'm not going to roast this too bad because like I'll probably see AC Mac this weekend at Battle Slam, so like um so if he's watching this AC, you know I'm a fan. I love you, dude. Um I thought the match was fine though for like for what it was. It's just the finish fell a little flat. Becca came in, hit Alec Price with the chair. The chair shot was weak. I got to call that out. Um, yeah. I, I know, and I think that that hurts it sometimes. Like I'm not, I'm not one of these people out there that's like I think people should be taking, you know, Matthew Justice un, un, uh, 
unguarded a protected dome, chair yeah, yeah yeah chairs to the dome for funsies off the top rope like every match you know like I'm, I'm not saying to do that listen i love matthew justice too if you happen to see this i'm not I'm not roasting i'm just saying like that, that you don't need to be doing all that in my opinion but you do need to lay it in a little bit i, I even saw it on on uh i think it was on raw a couple weeks ago i saw mcfoley talking about the miz like not laying his chair shots in when he hit somebody the other week in the back with loomis. the chair loomis loomis yeah he was like kind of weak on the on the on the shots and stuff so you know you got to I feel like Becca needed to lay it in a little bit better. Don't know really who to blame, but I feel like I got to put it a little bit on her. But I think the match was, uh, once again, I thought the match was fine for what it needed to be. The story is interesting, like you just said, with AC Mack being the IWTV Independent Wrestling World Champion, Alec Price still the Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm Champion. Um, but he, he is not a Southern wrestler. Obviously, that's a big part of this is like Alec Price has the sub championship, which is out of Nashville that he won during Uncharted Territory, which is out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. But he isn't really a sup wrestler. Um, but uh, AC Price is a former sub champion. So like, there's a lot of crossover between like sup and action and SCI and beyond and wrestling open and how like there's, it's cool how the, these worlds are all, all these like territories are all kind of like meshing this like, just like multiverse or whatever um, of independent wrestling. Um, but no, I'm with you. Like, I would like to see a clear winner. I, I think it's pretty clear we'll see this again. And they're really building Alec Price. Like I could see Alec being the next IWTV um, champion potentially. They have, they have a couple of good options there uh, to succeed AC Mack eventually. And I love AC Mack as a champion. I'm not calling for him to like lose the title necessarily. I'm just saying that Alec Price is a good option if they want to go that route eventually. But maybe they're setting up uh, Alec Price versus AC Mack versus Becca and like a triple threat or something. Or I'm not really sure, but, but I... I uh, I didn't like the finish either for for what it's worth. So I picked this as my spotlight. He got me hype about the, this independent wrestling stuff. We've had AC Mack on. Alex Alex Price is about to make his debut in MLW as well. I was excited <laughs> for this match, and then we watched it, and you know we got to call out some some stuff that maybe we don't always like on this show. And because I was so excited for this match, and I was a little little disappointed buy it uh i hope the rematch assuming it, it happens is gonna be better i do like alec price and ac mac as performers but you know sometimes it just doesn't work out and especially with that that finish a little, little flat there uh your spotlight any spotlight steven jensen nick wayne and jordan oliver against the bang bros from freelance don't look down this this was an excellent match just all action all the time, Bang Bros pick up the victory. We're talking about uh, we mentioned Iwatani and like innovative counters and stuff. Just innovative tag team offense from these two teams. Bang Bros, I've seen them live. They're great. Like they're mm-hmm. a fun tag team. They really are. Don't Google them. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. but unless uh, you do Bang Bros wrestling, yeah, like, I guess maybe, maybe, yeah. even then you might get some you results. Might, you yeah, might not you want. Might, you might not. <laughs> um, and I only say that because obviously, like that's that's like the in, that's like the inside joke. They say that on commentary a lot too when they come out to the ring. They're always like, "It's the Bang Bros." Make sure not to Google that, kids. <laughs> um, but uh, no, this match was fantastic. This this was probably my favorite tag team match of the year. I mean, on on an independent level, it's definitely my favorite tag team match. Um. I'd have to put it up against like some some major, you know, like AEW matches and stuff like that. Like to, I'd have to really think about about it on like on the grand on the grand scale. But on on an independent level, um, this is the best tag team match I've seen all year. Um, this was incredible stuff. The Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang, um, they've been flying under the radar for a long time now, and like they're really starting to like really break out. I feel like, which is 
there might be a little bit of a of a ceiling with the name like they might have to yeah figure something out that. there yeah um which i'm you know i i get that um the bash bros although that, that might be copyright yeah the mighty ducks already got dibs on that <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean and then of course the young pillars uh nick wayne and jordan oliver two of the best in the game right now like i say it often i think nick wayne and billy starks <clears throat> are going to be the two biggest wrestlers in the entire world. I mean, it's it's a it's just a matter of time. Like, and probably sooner than later. I mean, both are like seventeen. Like, by the time they're both like twenty three to twenty five, they'll probably be like probably like the two biggest stars like in all of wrestling. I think that'll happen pretty fast because they're so insanely good already. Um, so like Nick Wayne, man, he's just incredible. And then and then Jordan Oliver. I've been saying it a long time. I think Jordan Oliver, you know, probably should be the next GCW world champion based on the story and him helping like rehabilitate Nick Gage to like for his return. Um, or not sure they rehabilitate, but you know, and like, uh, well, he was rehabilitated. Like it was like, he had the knee injury and he needed to get back to the weight room and stuff. Um, I don't want that to sound like rehab, like a different type of rehab or something. Right. Um, but, um, but, and it's cool. Cause like the young pillars, you know, I, I like when Oliver and Wayne, like they they wore matching gear like they were very unified as a tag team i like that they have this tag team career because it looks like they could be the next gcw tag team champions too based on how things are going right now so <clears throat> I, I love how they're they're having all the success as a tag team but individually having like a, a, running parallel they're having really successful singles careers too and not just gcw and all these other companies freelance being a great example so great match Sweet finish. I love the Bang Bros uh, 900 finish where they both yeah. hit uh, 450s at the same exact time. And you're right, dude. The innovation, the the counters. I can't remember if it was Bang or Matthews, but at one point, I'd never seen it before. But like they, one of them countered a like a flying crossbody into a side slam into like yeah. a into like a sidewalk slam, like in the middle of the air. I was like, I've never seen that before. Like, I think it was Bang and Oliver. Uh... I think you're right. I, th I think that's, that's it's like it. if y'all can imagine what i'm talking about though like like oliver if, if this is who was like oliver's in the air like going for like a flying crossbody, and in the middle of the move in the air banger or or or, or um matthews i just can't remember literally like in the middle of the air turned it into a sidewalk slam and came down with it and i was like that is just genius the way they have those like double team spears where they're like they roll together. Oh yeah, into the, a like, spear. it's like a wheels like, on the bus. I think they call it yeah. like the bus driver. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that, they got that move kind of rules. <laughs> move set. Like I've been watching those guys for a while, but they just keep getting better. And like yeah. this, I think was a big breakout match for them because this went kind of viral. Like I saw pretty much every wrestler I know, uh, you know, over the weekend at some point tweeting about this. So like I'm uh or like at least like on the independent level, I didn't see like. Seth Rollins tweeting about this, but like I, you know, I saw like all the wrestlers that I follow from the Indies were all like, "Yo, go out of your way to watch this Bang Bros and uh and Young Pillars match." So, uh, I really think y'all should you should watch it, even though I just spoiled the ending and everything. Like that's like to watch the match, and it, it is it is a fantastic tag team match. Uh, you mentioned the gear, and I do want to say it is nice that everyone had matching gear. Can we not have just a bunch of white guys wearing red? Very confused this day. Oh, <laughs> so right. like everyone just wore red. It's like, all right, here's here's this white guy wearing red. Uh, it, it tripped me up a couple of times. One of these teams got to just put a different color on. Wear black, wear blue. Just both teams wearing red, like long tight red. And then I was like, all right, who whose team was it? Um, 
But yeah, great, great match. Go to IWTV, check that out. Use the code Fight Talk. Use code uh, Fight Talk. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I got you. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, check out uh, Freelance ran a couple shows that that are on there, and the Beyond Wrestling Open show was on there as well. well Jensen, I'll, oh, go I'll, ahead. yeah, just real quick, I'll say shout out because I, I almost chose this as my spotlight, but I didn't because the Bang Bros and and Young Pillars match was just so insanely good. But also on Freelance over the weekend, uh, I want to give a shout out Craig Mitchell. Uh, it looks like he's coming back from injury soon. One of my favorite independent wrestlers, a guy I got to interview like years ago, um, and he's been out. He he got hurt back in I think February. It was he had just come back from like a long injury layoff and time off from wrestling. Had this great matchup with Brian Keith and like just like tore his knee apart. So he's he looks like he's going to be coming back soon. Um, and I think he was targeting. I can't remember who he was targeting. Was it Richard Holiday? Maybe I can't remember who was going after. Now, oh no, no, it was uh, Tyler Matrix. I think it is who is going after. It could be no, 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 maybe not. I'm getting all my indies mixed up now because like I watch, I watch a lot of this stuff on the same day. Like so, like before the weekender, I'll like go through anything I missed over the weekend. So now all these shows are running together in my head. But I know that uh, Craig Mitchell came back. He saved somebody at the end of a match, and it was it was whoever wrestled Charles McKenzie. I'm almost positive. So, anyways, um, that said, shout out to Craig Mitchell, and I'm looking forward to talking more about him on this show we could probably interview him too at some point too um when he's getting back in the ring so yeah shout out to craig mitchell for returning there you go all right jensen let everybody know where they can find you at yes you can follow me on twitter at fight talk underscore f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore you can use code fight talk and independent wrestling.tv or at a btv.live i will be at battle slam this sunday i saw Caden in the chat asking should i make the drive to battle slam in atlanta um yeah you should uh, and if you're there let me know because i will i'll sit with you i'll probably be there by myself usually i have like some people to go with but i think because it's like halloween um i think people have other plans so yeah if there's anyone there like i'll hang out with you the whole the whole show i'm not gonna really have anything else to do um and i'll probably get some interviews after the show with like baron black and maybe some other people speedball mike bailey is gonna be wrestling baron black on the show i'm pumped um turbo chubs hey turbo chub i don't know what you look like come up and say hey i'll probably be wearing a fightful hoodie it'll be easy to find me um and i'll be just be hanging out by myself probably like literally just like in a chair by myself outside of like completely alone so please feel free to come say hey um so uh so yeah uh, you can follow me on those oh it's ryan oh okay i actually know ryan ryan has gone to me when i met him through battle slam so hell yeah, I'm glad that you're going to be there, Ryan. So I know I'll be able to hang out with Ryan during the show and anyone else who's there, come say, Hey, I appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, um, I think that's it, right? Fightful select weekender podcast every Sunday, uh, subscribe to Fightful select. If you want to sponsor this show, let us know, hit up Sean Ross app. We're looking for sponsors and uh, enjoy this interview with Ella J and, uh, check out the PWI women's 150 that drops today. We talk about that and happy birthday. Happy belated birthday to Ella, whose birthday was yesterday. Yes, her See ya. Yesterday. Bye, Jensen. Enjoy the shoot job or don't enjoy it. I don't know how, how that goes. Uh, there you go. There's the dad book. Uh, yes, Ella J, the PWI 150 did drop today. You can actually go to fightful.com right now and see who the top 10 is. See who took number one. We talk about that a little bit with Ella J, but because this was recorded before it dropped, she could not you know, give us any spoilers or anything like that. Uh, but we did talk about her writing, uh, for PWI Women's 150 and just PW, PWI in, in general, we talked about and her 
Gall TV, which is the, the show with Mickey James, SoCal Val, and Victoria. Talks about how she got involved with that. Various interviews she's done over the years. She's interviewed a lot of wrestlers over the years. Talked about that. Um, talked about everything she's got going on now. She's full-time wrestling media. Great interview with Ella J. How she got in wrestling. Some of her favorite wrestlers. Some people to look out for on the independent scene. Things like that. Everyone, go follow at Ella J at It's Ella J. Enjoy this interview. We'll be back momentarily. Everyone enjoy Ella J here on the Creator Spotlight. Welcome back, everyone, to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm still Jeremy Lambert. That is still Stephen Jensen. And we are joined today by media personality who works for blank, 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 <laughs> blank, blank, and blank. It's Ella J. How you doing? I did Ella? tell him to say that. <laughs> so it works. I'm great. How are you guys today? Doing, doing well, great. doing well. Yes, I was gonna list off the the 500 websites you work for, and you're like, "Yo, we'll be here all day." Just say blank, blank, blank. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do it." So, <laughs> can't ask me to do these things. I will 100% do that. Okay. <laughs> Ella, first question: Just how did you get started in the wrestling media space? Yeah, so it was not by like accident. It was just kind of on a whim because my degree is totally unrelated. I graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology and minored in creative writing was set to go to grad school, enrolled in everything for a second to go for my master's. But then I was like, mm, I don't really know if this is exactly what I want to do because that's more debt and you get even less aid in grad school. So I was like, you know, maybe I'll take a break, maybe a semester or a year off while working the the same shoot job that, that I just left um, a couple years that I just left recently. So I was there for like six and a half years. I was like, I'm just going to work, you know? And like, I was part of the wrestling community at that time, but I was like, I'll have so much free time, like outside of work now. And I had seen like, you guys have had my good friend Samira on here before mm -hmm. she was killing it and doing like interviews in that time. And also people like Chris Van Fleet and Alicia too, were into like podcasting and interviewing. I was like, mm. You know, I love wrestling. I've been part of the wrestling Twitter community for a couple years now. And I was like, I love talking about it. It's not something I get to talk about really in person. I was really a closeted fan in like high school and middle school, to be honest with you. So like Twitter was like finally the place where I could talk about it. I was like, I'm going to start my own podcast, you know, and then a wrestling gal was born and it's kind of evolved from there. Yeah, very relatable. I'm sure there's a lot of people, ourselves included, and people listening to this right now, closeted wrestling fans growing up most of their lives. Probably even more difficult for women, to be honest, like because like it's even less likely yeah. you'd be into wrestling. Um, but uh, you know, and then I, I'm obviously I'm I'm big on education and everything. I know you said that you uh kind of pass up a master's degree, it sounds like to to start, you know, kind of the the getting the ball rolling. Um, I have a bachelor's degree. I don't think that like it's one of those things like necessarily. It depends on what you want to go into, right? And I think that um, I, I, heard, I was listening to an interview recently that I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Carl Jacobs. He's in like the Mr. Beast videos and yeah, like, yeah, with the streamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch Carl. Yeah, in that whole group. Yeah, yeah. So Carl, um, I heard I've heard him in interviews before talking about how um, basically like he was going to college and trying to become a video editor. And he was going to school for editing. And then like the opportunity arose to become Mr. Beast's brother's um, YouTube editor, which eventually evolved into him like becoming a part of the main. My whole point with this though, is he basically was offered the dream job while he was in school. And he was like, okay, I could either stay in school and keep learning how to edit. And then hopefully get offered a job close to this good afterwards, or just drop out of school right now and just go do the job. 
and like you know what i mean so i just think that's something that's that's worth bringing up as well where it's like your plans can change like if you wanted to get a master's degree you wanted to get this you want to do that but like a good opportunity comes up like you might want to try it you know because you never kind of know what, what what might come out of that yeah, this frankly started out as a hobby for me just with my podcast going forward. I didn't intend this to kind of create even possibly like a career path for me. It just started out. I was like, I'm going to be like off for the next year. Maybe if I decide to go to grad school or not, I might as well do something fun that I enjoy doing. And then obviously it's evolved since then. And I mean, it has nothing to do with my bachelor's, but I don't regret my time in college. But like you said, sometimes plans change. How did you get involved with the the Gallcast? Uh, for people <laughs> who who don't know the Gallcast, grown ass women <laughs> podcast with Mickey James, Victoria, SoCal Val. How did your involvement in that come about? So Mickey had known me for a couple of years before that through social media, and ironically. A- yesterday was the five-year anniversary of when we first met in person and like i would see her at her music events and like the local shows here and we became like friendly on social media and stuff she knew who i was and so then they started up got tv i was like of course i'm gonna support this this is in like may of 2020 um she was familiar that i was doing my own podcast and stuff and then i interviewed her myself at one point and then later on that year in november she's like hey like I want to like do something for you. You obviously like have a passion for you. Like, how would you feel about like helping us with our, like launching our podcast initially? Um, I, okay. So before she even got there, she knew she wanted to, she pitched me to help her in some way, whether it was with social media or stuff, because frankly, I've made a couple of TikToks for her. A good portion of her TikTok content is because of me. So I was helping her with social media. And then I was like, ah, I, I mean, I don't know. And then she had the idea of like launch, helping them launch their podcast. And so now I, um, exclusively edit their podcast and put that out on the audio platforms and all of that for them after it's gone out on YouTube about a week later goes out on the audio platforms like Spotify anchor and stitcher and all of that. So that it kind of just naturally progressed from there. And then obviously now I'm good friends with Lisa and Val too, I think. You said that started around May of 2020. Yeah. That's when they, that's when they started their God. That's when they started God TV. And then they later that year, they started like their podcast. And then that officially started in January of 2021. So last year. So, so with the, um, what do you, do you know if like the pandemic was kind of like, kind of like a part of that, a big reason why they started doing it? Cause that, that timing is like right yeah. when. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it really was the time that they started that. And they've said that before they were just kind of at home, you know, they were good friends or like, we want to do something. And, you know, there was the influx of people coming out with podcasts during that time. That was definitely a big factor in it. I, I love the Gawcast. If anybody has not checked it out, what are you doing? But they, those three are great and they just like sit around and they drink wine. Like who are you wearing this week? Like, what are you drinking (laughs) this week? It is very just like laid back girls chat and they get into wrestling and everything. And I know that like after Mickey had got released, like that was a a huge episode. I remember that was like appointment viewing uh, after that because she went into detail with everything. So if you have not checked out the Gawcast, please, please do that. Um, What are you, what are you involved with now? Because I know you made the announcement couple weeks ago of like i'm doing now wrestling full time so how did it all work out to where now this is your 100 career 
So I'd been literally like manifesting going full time in the universe for like almost two years now. But it was that fear of, you know, I don't want to jump into this unless I have two things and that's consistency and financial stability. And so I was working my shoot job, which was retail combined with all the other stuff I was doing with like WrestleZone, SE Scoops, Capital Championship Wrestling, yada, yada, goes on and on. I was like, I really want to do this full time because I've missed out on some opportunities and some more like. Uh, more work in wrestling because I was laid down by my shoot job, but it, that kind of like was my safety net for a bit. So I was like, if I can find like something that can give me about the same amount of hours and kind of act as that safety net in place of my shoot job, but in wrestling, then like, I'm going to go for it. And plus my schedule was changing each week because if you work retail, your schedule doesn't stay consistent. So that was always hard going week to week. I was like, Oh, I need to let you know if I can do this once I get my schedule. So I was like, Oh, I'm kind of getting sick of doing that. So it was actually, I had been searching for like something on like it, it actually, I found it on indeed. I didn't even see that they announced it on Twitter with wrestling Inc. I was like just typing in wrestling on indeed. And then, and then it came up like wrestling news writer. I'm like, Hmm what's this? And then I saw it and then I like read it. It's freelance work. It's basically what I was doing now with SE scoops and wrestle zone, but you can choose your own set of hours and the pay was pretty good to be honest. And so I was like, Hmm, let me update my resume to reflect my updated work and that. And so I applied, went through the whole onboarding process, the trial shift, and then they accepted me. And so now that's kind of taking the place of my shoot job about the same amount of hours and days. And so that for me right now is like, I'm excited to do it. But that for me was really the catalyst that made me feel confident enough to expand my role more in the other stuff that I was doing, but also now start wrestling full time, if that makes sense. For sure. Um, so when it, when it comes to all the different roles you fulfill, anything you enjoy kind of more than, than the other, because I like I've done news for, for years and I've always said like this show podcasting, like that's my break from news writing. Cause I'm very deep into the news writing game. Like I just love doing shows, anything like, Oh, the news writing, really? That's the thrill for me. The podcast, the hosting, like what's the, what's the thrill for you when it comes you, to wrestling? You know, it's funny because the news writing is like, I don't know if it's like seven, I would say it's like 60% of my like current schedule now going forward. However, interviewing is honestly my favorite thing. It's what I've done on my podcast. It just frankly, though, it mean it's not enough to like fill your whole plate and get paid and survive off of that. But <laughs> interviewing is my favorite thing. And maybe that's the psychology major in me is connecting with people and getting to know their stories beyond, I mean, in and outside of wrestling. For me, that's my favorite thing is doing my research on people and finding cool facts or cool stuff about them or sometimes talking about deeper stuff that they might have not opened up about before for me it's connecting with people and for me that's like my favorite thing whether it's virtual or in person is interviewing so i wish i hope i'll be doing that a little bit more with um a couple of the expanded roles i'll be taking on for like wrestle zone and se scoops but i love interviewing kind of like how we're doing here today do you have um well actually two questions first one if you remember if you have like a vivid like recollection of like the first time you interviewed a wrestler, like what that experience was like and who it was and who it was. And then also if you could follow up afterwards with um, just like if you have a couple like favorite interviews, obviously like it's cool to be able to get anyone we can get. Like I don't like to rank my favorite people we've had on the show or anything like that. But if you have a couple like special interviews that come mm -hmm. to mind, I'd like to hear about those as well. 
Yeah, so the first wrestler I interviewed was, um, she was ROH Women's Champion at the time, who I was good friends with, who was Kelly Klein before all that stuff happened with her. And so I kind of started out, went and leaned on people I was comfortable with, like Samira. I knew Alicia, too. Uh, Kelly Klein, I was pretty good friends with, too. So I kind of leaned on people that I knew out starting out. And so, like, I, it was, I remember that. And she gave me feedback afterwards. I tried to like, there was some bit more basic, like general questions in there, but it was my first time asking, uh, interviewing a wrestler. And so she gave me good feedback. She's like, you had a good mix of like general questions, you know, that were like relevant, but also some deeper questions that also like made her feel comfortable and like opened the box a little bit more. So she gave me some good feedback that day. I remember that. And so from then going forward, I tried to shy a little bit away from those like cliche questions, unless God forbid it's somebody's first interview, which I think I've been somebody's first interview, like on about a dozen occasions now. So unless it's their first interview or I can't find any content on them, I really try not to lean on those cliche basic wrestling questions. But in terms of my favorites, um, I mean, I feel like it has to be Deanna Perrazzo. I've interviewed her like eight times now. And honestly, I feel like my favorite one, though, was the first one after she just got released from NXT. And she was doing kind of doing the tour thing going on. But I felt like we had a cool conversation because she had been coming from a place where she had been pitching herself. And she had been pitching herself to NXT and really had just been released and requested that. And she was kind of in this weird, like, purgatory with stuff. And so we were talking about not only advocating for yourself, but advocating for others and knowing your worth and deeper topics like that. And so I was just really blown away from her. And then obviously we've built a good rapport since then. And it's always fun interviewing her. And I feel like obviously, I mean... My girl, Mickey James, is always fun. But um, in terms of, like, indie stuff, I would say Becca um, from, like, um, bought the Boston area was really fun because she has a lot of cool stuff about her that, like, people don't know. Like, she was in a band. She collects vinyl. She has so many cool things about her. I think that was the most, like, genuinely fun conversation I've had where most, like, 90% of the interview was not even wrestling. Any any dream interviews that you have? Like, I got to, at some point in my career, get this person. Yes. Yeah, so I have like two that I've been really kind of trying to manifest that I doubt will ever happen. One is Jamie Hayter that I've literally been manifesting for th- over three years now. She was actually part of the first ever, it sounds stupid to say, but the first ever indie match that I ever watched actually was her versus Britt Baker in Pro Wrestling Eve before they went to the whole AEW stuff. And so she's one that I've been a fan of since before I even started my podcast. And, um, King Coda, Dakota Kai is also one I've been trying to manifest. However, I doubt that those two will ever happen since they're both signed, kind of signed to major companies. But never say never in pro wrestling. Who, who are yours, Jeremy? Danielson? Oh, yeah. Sure, probably like Danielson. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask about the, the Tony Khan incident. <laughs> um, I don't remember the exact media call, but you, you would ask the question about NWA and power and women's wrestling, and Tony just like cut you off with it and then went on his big rant that he went on and you'd said afterwards like just talk to tony he was apologetic and and everything is is fine but in that moment like what are what are you feeling when he just kind of cuts in and starts being tony Khan? Well, I just want to note, this is kind of my first time, like, publicly talking about it. Oh. Um, so thanks for putting me on the spot, Jeremy. It's awesome. fine. Awesome. <laughs> I figured um, you would ask about this before. No, because... no. 
I'm no, I have not talked about it before, but you know, it's been about it's been about a year now. Um, I just remember being like my I just like it's the same feeling that I get when I'm like public speaking. It sounds terrible to say as like a media personality, but like my chest feels like it's like swelling up. And I just remember like being in shock. Like I did couldn't really register what was happening. And then at the end when he was like, Does that make sense? I'm just like, okay. And I don't I didn't really know what was happening. It was all happening so fast. And then I'm getting DMs, tweets, like as this whole thing is happening right now. And I'm at first I was just kind of in shock. I couldn't process what had really happened. And then when it's the, you know, the mentions and all that stuff kind of started flooding in and then later getting, you know death threats and and mean tweets about it you know it was oh, just no. like i don't i didn't want this i didn't even i wasn't even supposed to be on that media call because i was supposed to have an interview at that time during that media call but earlier in the day the girl messaged me was like hey can we move it back an hour and so i was like i guess i'll go on the media call now so i was almost not even on that media call which is this the craziest thing of it all but i just remember being so in shock and like I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And I don't know, it was foreign territory to me. And I didn't, I think I handled it pretty well, to be honest. Um, but did. it's still something that like still sticks with me and that I was afraid was going to kind of define my career. Um, this is still really weird to like talk about, but that was one of my worries. I was like, people are only going to remember me now as this girl who got like, ousted on a media call and i was like oh my gosh this is gonna follow me and i'm not even gonna be able to like go beyond this this is not gonna be the only thing people remember me for but obviously i feel like that's turned out to not be the case it's obvious it's still there but i don't think that that's my legacy now so far in wrestling media i mean i definitely don't think it is i apologize i didn't realize i figured you've been <laughs> asked about this before no. and so we, we've got an exclusive here with elatar i didn't mean to bring up like anything no, you're bad good. about this um but it's definitely like i don't think about that when i think about you i asked about it because i feel it was something to, to yeah, talk about i it was something that it honestly like i said i was worried that that was going to define me for the rest of my career and i was like oh my gosh nobody's going to want to work with me now and honestly like I kind of shied away from media calls then. I was kind of not traumatized from it, like just being honest. But I kind of was. I was like, I'm afraid to like ask a question now. So I kind of like would steer away from some of the future media calls until I felt more comfortable until recently. But even then still, like I kind of had that same feeling. I was like, oh gosh, like I got to tread lightly because there was so many, like there was a lot of support, but there was also a good majority of people that were like, like I said, coming for me on social media and in emails and sending like threats and stuff, which is something I had never dealt with before. See, all I saw, and I'm sorry you had to go through the, the threats and everything because that's just terrible from people. But all I saw was the support because I we follow a lot of mutuals and all of our mutuals were pretty much like, hey, hope you're okay and everything. And then the way my perspective anyway, it was like, Tony, what are you doing? Like, don't just knock this off. Like, I felt bad for you that, that this happened. And I thought Tony looked bad in this, not you. Like, I thought you you were just doing your job. You're just asking a question. And Tony was the one who came off bad in this whole thing. And so, yeah, I didn't even think of the perspective of like, oh, this is not good for Ella. I'm just thinking of like, Ella's fine. She's just doing her job. But I'm sorry. 
you went through that and now i feel bad for you it's okay it's luckily <laughs> luckily the mute button was a thing however <laughs> yeah. i definitely went down the rabbit hole that i shouldn't have and like reddit and like searching twitter oh. mentions i will say i was very guilty of that and then finding people mm. making like podcasts and like articles about it i'll say i was very guilty at that so it's not something that i try to do anymore because i've already gone down that rabbit hole and kind of got lost in it to be honest in that moment but it's about a year removed now i feel like we've patched things up um i've obviously done an aew interview one interview since then i've been to i've been invited to um have media press passes for them so i mean i guess we're on good terms now but it's still something i look back and i'm like oh gosh <laughs> well i mean if it makes you feel any better like over the last year especially like really recent like tony kind of is kind of I don't know if it's the right way to you guys want to know what I mean. Like he's yes. kind of becoming it's becoming kind of a a, a pattern of like yes. not being the best when it comes to some of these media interviews and stuff like that. So like I I think you're it's something where like it kind of helps your case a little bit too, if that makes sense. Where it's like, okay, yeah. we've kind of seen like TK might not be the best at handling a lot of this stuff to begin with. Um now on the flip side, positive <laughs> notes, you mentioned some like some good mentors and friends of yours, like Samira and um Alicia Toot. I remember, man, I, I think I came across her stuff, um, Alicia's stuff when she was doing Ambi. I don't know if she still does yes. that or not. Yeah. But yeah, I remember, I remember knowing her as like a music, like a musician interviewer. And then, and then I started noticing her in wrestling and I was like, and then I didn't, and then I realized she's like, like a lot, I shouldn't say, well, she's definitely younger than I am. It was one of those things she was like accomplishing all this stuff with mm -hmm. like all these big musicians and wrestlers and all this. I was like, Wow, this is really, really, really impressive. I had no idea someone was doing this. What's it like getting, you know, having people like that to talk to and get feedback from? Because that has to be so huge to just be able to pick people's brains like that 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 have that experience that that you're kind of trying to, you know, uh like you know, they've had all the success and you want to have success as well, and they're willing to like, you know, let let them pick your mind and everything, or let, let you pick them their mind rather. Yeah. So I found Alicia when she interviewed Chris Jericho the second time. It was 2017, so far before um I even started any of this stuff. But yeah, Alicia, I believe, is only two years older than me. So like when I started out, it I was it was kind of when I first started watching her, she was about the same age. And so it's cool. And she's one of my like three, like big, like inspirations and her and even, I mean, a fightful zone, Denise, Denise, yeah. I will, I, I asked Denise for some advice while I was trying to get my stuff in line and transitioning to full time. And she's one that I look up to a lot. So I was like, thank you because Denise, I feel like is the connoisseur. I feel like 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 Denise is just amazing and I look up to her a lot she is obviously big in the spotlight and has worked her butt off the last few actually for like a while now and she's definitely one that I also look up to and Alicia and Chris and they've all like given me good advice that has still stuck with me it's kind of surreal that like I get to kind of work with and pick the brain of people that I like look up to and kind of aspire to be like and so I it's just cool to see them progress and then hopefully one day i can kind of get to a path or reach similar success or you know work ethic that they have so it's cool that i'm be i'm able to have access to them and that i've kind of been kind of not following in their steps but also accomplish some of the same things that they have who would win a fight between me and denise salcedo 
Oh, I remember you asking this. It would definitely be Denise. She, yeah, she, I, I asked Samira, could she beat up Denise Salcedo? I don't want to. I don't want to pit people against each other. Now, now I'm just gonna have everybody beat me up. That's that's the new the new bit here. Uh, she 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 almost beat me up at my wedding the other day. Uh, Did other she? Day. No, no, no. We we sang Taylor Swift together. It was a, yeah. a grand old time, as you would expect from from us two Swifties. Uh, but Denise and I are gonna fight at some point and. She's gonna. You, well, you better. You better just be sure you don't get low blowed. She. She does. <laughs> I know. She has a mean yeah. low blow. She's scrappy. <laughs> She's very scrappy. Uh, your involvement in pro wrestling illustrated in the PWI, the women's five hundred. How did how did all that come about? Yeah. So last year, the women's one fifty. Um, that was a fun time. That was my first time being part of anything with PWI. Getting asked to be part of the ranking committee last year, and then writing a whole interview. Uh, or not, well, kind of interviewed. I chatted with Chelsea Green, Deanna Perazzo, and Mickey James to write an article on Empower. I was also there, and kind of like promoting women's wrestling and how far it's come and how far it like the history of it was in the NWA. And so last year was really cool being on the committee. I didn't make the committee this year, but I do still have a piece coming out in pro wrestling illustrated, the women's one fifty issue. So that's going to be really fun. But yeah, last year was really cool. Kind of having like my work recognized kind of cause women's wrestling, I feel like is like my brand and my niche, you know, it's not something I intended to come into, but it's something I'm genuinely passionate about. So it was really cool to be invited and to be a voice. And last year was the first 150 issue cause it expanded from hundred to 150. And so that was cool kind of being brought in as the indie expert, I was told and being able to lend my voice to all these girls I've chatted with a lot on my own podcast anyways. So that was honestly really, really fun and having my voice heard and having some like influence in the decision of some of the girls that I had advocated for and them being higher up than maybe necessarily they were considering. And that's uh for people listening, that's out today that that PWI. So that's October 27th. Sometime after y'all hear this this morning, y'all can check that out as well. Um so yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I like I said last year I was on the committee. This year I was not, but I did still write a piece, actually two pieces in this year's issue. So I'm super excited for everyone to see it. What what goes into being on the committee? Because we had Regis Reg on a few weeks ago, and he's he's part of the the 500, and he does mm-hmm. the Black Wrestling Excellence uh, 500 as well. And you know he talked about people get mad about the rankings. Like if you put them one place, they're, they're like in your DMS and then other people like use those numbers to get like bookings and stuff. Like, are you conscious of these numbers and how people are going to react to, Oh man, if I put them at one Oh one, instead of 99, they're going to be mad at me. Last year, I feel like for me, this was, it was literally my first time ever being on a committee. So I didn't kind of really know what to go into expecting to it, except like, I know my girls pretty much. And I feel like we each had a designated, like we had a Japanese, Japan expert. We had people who were familiar with the indie scene, like WWE, AW Impact, like all those little niches within it. For me, I feel like last year I wasn't really there was a couple of instances where I'm thinking about like, oh, so-and-so is probably going to think that they deserve to be higher or people are going to be mad that so-and-so like wasn't number one or something like that. Or they're mad at who number one is. 
at the end of the day, people are going to be mad no matter what. We all have our own subjective opinions. So we try to keep it as objective as possible with actual criteria, with like the quality of matches, the cultural impact, their win-loss record, number of championships held. There's literally a whole guideline to the evaluation period and what the what is what is it called? The guidelines and the parameters set the criteria of yeah. what goes into making this list. So there's actually there's some objectiveness to this. Most of it is, but also part of it is subjective, like the cultural impact or like people's influence on other people. And so it's again, we're just seven or eight people going into this who have pro wrestling experience. We're just a small little bubble of wrestling experts. But on the grand scheme of things, just like with anything, people are going to have their own opinions. And no matter what, even like we saw with the 500, people are people are going to argue no matter what you do, you can't appease everybody. <clears throat> so speaking kind of to this specifically with uh like women's wrestling um i know on this year's list on the pwi 500 and on last year's list um last year trisha dora was at i think 44 and this year she was at 50 um i think that's pretty wild i think it's cool obviously i'm a big fan of independent wrestling and i follow her career and you know but it's wild to see somebody a, a, a woman ranked that high on that list to begin with is incredibly impressive, but it's even more impressive to me because she doesn't have really any mainstream visibility. Like no one knows her from like WWE, AEW, anywhere else. It's like, but she's, she's grinded the indies and had, and just put on this catalog over the last few years. It's been so impressive that she gets ranked that highly. Um, can you speak any at, at all to that? Because I know that you pay attention to that being an indie fan, but I know you said like, the committee is going to be all over the place. Some people are going to be mainly WWE, maybe AEW, this or that. Um, how, how does everyone get on board like to, to rank Toshidora so high? Because I think that, that personally, I, I agree with it. But I just feel like a lot of people might have seen that and been like, who's Toshidora? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of wild. So I can't speak to the 500 list necessarily, but I know that Trisha Dora is also one again for for all the women who ranked on the on the 500, much like an Ali Catch, Amasha Slamovich, a Billy Starks. A lot of it has to again do with the criteria of them competing in open weight divisions. And she, I mean, her honestly, I think her and Masha and Ali, like I believe, were the three most highest ranked women on the 500 list they compete against a in a lot of open weight divisions against men and stuff like that all three so, of them plus yeah. really ma mainly wrestle men actually yeah. Yeah. yeah which is exactly like kind of what the 500 debate is based on those open weight divisions or against the men so i feel like there's always a case for her when it's like you said a majority of their matches are against men or intergender and stuff like that and trisha dora i mean she's probably i think she's also wrestled for a couple men's championships too and stuff like that but she's also at the time she i'm trying to think of the evaluation period right now she had some exposure obviously with ring of honor and aew but i think it's to also her cultural impact herself like she's still yeah. the pan-african diaspora champion and so for me she's also had a big cultural impact on the black community as well so that is also a part of the 500 list as well as the cultural impact and so i feel like it's a combination of her skills she's held a couple championships obviously like you said she wrestles against a lot of um in the open and weight divisions for intergender wrestling she's definitely had a cultural impact and i'm sure her win-loss record is pretty good as well mm -hmm. especially on the indies and so you know maybe her 
name value or stock isn't mainstream, but I feel like she's one who, even if you haven't seen her on TV, I feel like if you're, if you're beyond casual, you've at least heard of Trisha Dora, I feel like, um, unless you're living under a rock. And so I think rightfully so she deserves to be that high. She's kind of pushing the boundaries for women. And plus two, it makes a statement. If there's anybody that's going to make a statement, it would be Trisha Dora. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd imagine, obviously, I know we can't talk about the women's list coming up until it releases, but I'd imagine she's probably ranked pretty high on that, as are the women. You just mentioned um, Allie Catch, Billy Starks, um, Jordan Grace. You know, there's, there's so much good talent. Masha Slamovich. I mean, Masha, Masha might be my favorite wrestler, period, right now, like anywhere. Like, I love Masha. I mean, I love Jordan too. I've been glowing about their match at um at Bound for Glory. Since I was it there. I oh, was man. I was there in Albany. I was fully convinced. I was like, "There's no way Masha's gonna lose this." You know, <laughs> she hasn't lost since Knockouts Knockdown um against Deanna Prazo. So for like basically a year, she's been undefeated in Impact Wrestling. But those two pulled out all the stops. The crowd was chanting, "You can't beat her!" to to Jordan, and that fired her up even more. Gave Masha all of her best stuff and honestly i was left speechless in a good way when jordan defeated masha because it was a good surprise that was a fantastic matchup and impact definitely left it unpredictable for me because i was literally thoroughly convinced that masha was walking away with the championships like there's no way masha's gonna lose but that match jordan grace this second run is really proving otherwise and so i'm excited to see where she goes from here I completely agree. I've, I've called it before. I think I've said it here on this channel before. I've said it on some other podcasts. I think Jordan Grace, to me, she'd be my number one candidate to be the one to eventually beat Josh Alexander for the world title. Like I would, I would just have her keep, keep running with this knockouts championship. And then, you know, cause she's also been in the mix for like the X division title before and stuff yeah. like that. And what I like about the Masha and oh, I love, I love the, the whole match, but I like the layer of, Masha had it like she hit the snow plow Jordan yes. landed too close to the ropes so there was the visual pin still so Masha was still protected and there's still meat on the bones if they want to come back which I'm, I they would be very foolish not to come back to that like you got to run that match back because it was so good um so that's cool that you were there live though because I mean that was yeah that's that's honestly one of those matches I've been telling everybody since it happened like yeah. if you're a fan of wrestling especially if you for some reason in 2022 still have some sort of reservation about like high level women's wrestling like show them that match like you can't tell me that isn't as good as anything else you're going to see all night so yeah that who match some... was fantastic go on jeremy <laughs> oh who are some of your favorite wrestlers to to watch now or in, in the past um i feel like we've named a bunch of them like diana perrazzo is always amazing i love her i love saying the virtuosa i feel like i'm just biased to her i mean i have her I did this backwards. I have her hanging up over here. She's fantastic. Like you said, Masha's great. Billy, Billy Starks. It's it's mm -hmm. scary that she's not even like reached her full prime yet. Like she's been on like AEW Dark, but she hasn't even reached her prime yet. And she is so good. It's kind of scary to be honest. Um, but one that I feel like is really underrated, um, at least on the indie scene, is Sandra Moon. Mm -hmm. Um, we've seen her wrestle Billy. She's added been added a couple times at GCW. She's a former FS. W women's champion she's kind of like the leader of the subspace division i feel like she's really coming up she's based in las vegas and around the west coast we've seen her travel a little bit over to the east coast she's one that i am really really psyched for and really am invested in so i think she's gonna take the world by storm um and 
also damage control. I mean, I'm a big fan of all three of those, um, at least within the wrestling, the women's wrestling landscape. I always love those three. I'm so glad that those, those three are three. I wouldn't have like pinged together to be together because they're so amazing, all singles, but I love that they're what they've been doing so far. Uh, last one. Coolest thing in your room. Ooh. She might have just pointed at it. She was like, I love this job. You got some cool, cool pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There. You're going to make me literally get this off of my wall over here. <laughs> Let's do Come it. On. Let's do it. That was my favorite part when everybody just like leaves and it's like, I got to go grab this and then I'll, I'll come back with it. Yes. Look at my stuff and back this here. This thing is huge. Big surprise. By the way. Oh, okay. Um, This thing is oh. literally huge. I'm not, you know, I think I think it's really cool. The design of it is really cool. Like the artwork is really cool of Liv Morgan. And so I feel like it's Liv Morgan. She's also just really cool herself. Like it's just, it's like, I don't have anything like it else in my room, like art wise. And it's like the biggest piece that I own. So I would say this, to be honest. That is Very pretty cool. sweet. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. I'll let the people know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter at it's Ella J. If you go to the link tree in my bio, you can find most of my links. I still have to update it a little bit, but you can find all the links there in my link tree there the easiest way. Websites that she is working for nowadays. I'm very happy that one, you are in the space period and two, that you are now in the space full time. So anybody that can like do this for a full time thing makes me excited because I know there aren't too, too many of us out there. So it is great to have more full time people uh, doing this in, in the wrestling media space. Ella, thank you again for joining us. Guys, we'll be right back here on the. Big thanks to Ella J for joining us this week on the Creator Spotlight. Again, everyone can go to uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, go to their Twitter, check out the women's top 50, top 150. Uh, check that out. Check that out. Go get the magazine, go get the digital edition, whatever you got to do to support. Check out Ella's work at It's Ella J on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. We will be back next week with a new episode talking about the world of professional wrestling in WWE, AEW others and indies head over to fightful overbooked at noon you can go over there now but at noon we have a new episode of the gauntlet premiering myself and alex mccarthy go through roman reigns top matches during this two-year run the defining match of roman reigns's run we we run through some of his best matches and pick the defining match of the run that premieres at noon eastern on fightful overbooked com tomorrow on fightfuloverbook.com at 10 a.m eastern it'll be steven jensen sp3 and probably myself uh ranking south park characters so we'll be talking about some south park tomorrow on fightfuloverbook.com at 10 a.m eastern if you'd like to come hang out with us please do that at 3 p.m eastern on fightful overbooked we have rob and maggie coexisting with rob wilkins and maggie everyone go check that out they'll be talking about the world of wrestling all the big news coming out of uh, the week and the big news coming up for the weekend with uh, SmackDown and Rampage. Saturday is newsworthy. Sunday is Tim and Joel called in the ring. Monday, now live on FightFloverBook.com. Mondays, 3 p.m. Eastern, is Tag Talk with Haley and Kylie. They're live every Monday at 3 p.m. now. So go check out the, the show that was done this past monday and they promised some halloween gimmicks for for this upcoming monday i have no idea 
what, what they have in store. I'm sure it'll be great because they are great. So t- check out Tag Talk Mondays, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fightful Overbooked. And we also had a new episode of New Japan Bread Club with Matt and Karen catching everybody up on the world of New Japan. Check that one out. A lot of shows on Fightful Overbooked, FightfulOverbooked.com. We have content daily on that website, on that channel. Go check it out. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Go support all the creators doing their thing over on that platform. Guys, again, we'll be back next week. Day after Dynamite, 3 p.m. Eastern, here on YouTube.com slash Fightful. Will Washington will be there celebrating the day after his birthday. Dab. It'll be dab. Day after birthday. I'm going to dab on Day After Dynamite. That's a reason enough to tune in. Guys, thank you. Go to Fightful.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful, Fightful Overbooked. Subscribe, Fightful Select, support. Love y'all. See y'all next week. Bye, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.